BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Big Sills! I love starting the show off like that so much. And I have for 34 years. Big Sills. Big Sills in the Army. That's what we got going here, man. Big Sills in the Army. Welcome aboard. We appreciate you guys more than you know. You have so many other options. I want to thank each and every single one of you. Even the guys that are the complete tools that show up each and every single day for four hours. Hell, the the more of a tool you are, the longer you stay. Did you notice that, Tone? The biggest tools in here stay the longest. Thank you. (laughs) I, I, I can't thank you enough. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, I can't wait to get into, knee deep into your cheerleader coach's ass here in a second. Nick Soriani, holy cow, man. This guy is the ultimate banner-waving cheerleader. And he lies to you every time he gets in front of a microphone. It's now becoming a weekly basis. Okay, I love that. LJ, Big Sills is a tool threat. How about that? Big Sills is a tool threat. Yeah. I'm the ultimate tool... I'm going to make a t-shirt of that. LJ, I'm going to have to give you some comps on that. Big Sills, the ultimate tool threat. That's right, baby. The the ultimate, hey, I think that fits, the ultimate tool threat. All right. Before I get going here, and it is Dallas week. Oh, by the way, our spectacular friends at Hooters. I had a great conversation with them today. We thank them so much for being part of the program. We are giving gift certificate opportunities for you guys to win each and every single day. Tony's going to throw out a code word throughout the entire week, Tuesday to Friday. Then on a football Monday, we name the winner. All you have to do is identify that code word and email us at show at gmail.com. Get a chance to win some merchandise and a chance to win some gift certificates 
like Michael from Pennsylvania and Herman from Delaware. Again, all seven of the locations from Rhode Island all the way down through Jersey and all the way down to King of Prussia. We cannot thank you guys enough for being part of the program. Simple as that. Just put your information. When you see that code word, you email us, dancilioshow at gmail.com. We are now in Happy Wingsgiving, which is November. We're here at November 1. So good luck to you guys. We appreciate you guys coming aboard here. So the Raiders cleaned house. Before we get into Eagles and Cowboy Week, is it me? This is where I'm going to agree with a lot of you about Bill Belichick. Hey, Tone, everyone, does Bill Belichick have the worst NFL head coaching tree from his assistant coaches of any coach in NFL history? I can't think of a coach. Brian Flores kind of got hosed in Miami. Bill was okay with the Texans. But the, the Charlie Weisses, the Romeo Cornells, um, the Josh McDaniels, the Judges, the Patricias, they've all been bums as head coaches. They've all been bums. He has to have the worst head coaching, head coaching former assistants of anybody in pro football history. I really can't think of a guy who was a solid coach. I mean, what an absolute train. Every single guy. How in the world? Oh, wait a minute. Wait. I already know the answer to this stupid comment that I'm going to make. How does Josh McDaniels get two opportunities to be a head coach and Eric Bieniemy doesn't even get one chance to fail? Or Jim Caldwell doesn't get another opportunity to coach? How does that white guy, excuse me, how does Josh McDaniels get an opportunity at two failures and he was just as bad as he was in Denver? How did that white guy, I mean, Josh McDaniels, get that second opportunity? I mean, it's crazy how that white guy, I mean, that, excuse me, sorry, Josh McDaniels. I don't know why that keeps popping up for some reason. How that white, I mean, Josh McDaniels got two opportunities. I mean, seriously, guy, what gave you in the interview? So, you know what I want? You know what I've come to the conclusion? I don't want the guy who gives the greatest interview. I want the guy who gives me the most uncomfortable responses. Because if you interview great and you know what to say, that doesn't mean you're going to be a good head coach. Look at Dan Campbell. So I want the guy maybe who's not prepared for an interview. I want a guy to come in there and answer what's on his mind and how he wants to run a team versus a guy who's been prepped. So all these guys know how to interview for a job. And when they get the job, hey, by the way, can someone do me a favor here? I want someone to tell me what Matt LaFleur's win percentage is as a coach. You know, the guy up in Green Bay. Someone give me that guy's win percentage, okay? Give me that guy's win percentage on what's going on in, in Green Bay right now, okay? And I, I'm going to make a point to you here. 
Let's see here. The floor's getting hammered now. Hammered. He's won 68% of his football games. He's 51 and 24. Does he have a higher win percentage than, than Nick Sirianni? Do you know that they're calling for his job? They're calling for his job. The guy's won 70% of his games. 70% of his games he's won. And they're calling for his head. How can that be possible? They're calling for a guy that's won. Nick Siri. Okay, so Nick Sirianni's got a little bit better of a win percentage than the guy in Green Bay. And they're calling for his head. Seventy-one percent Nick has, and Matt Lafleur's got sixty-eight percent win percentage. And they would have fired a guy in Green Bay now. How's that for you? You could take your win percentage, and you could take all that shit that you talk about with coaches all you want. And I'll tell you, a coach is on a week-to-week proposition, and sometimes on a year-to-year proposition. The coaching head coaching for a fraternity in the NFL has to be one of the most unstable ones going. That's why you see high turnover at the end of every season. You see um, about 10 coaches get replaced at the end of the year, no matter who you are. Even Belichick. Even Belichick. Congratulations to Jalen Hurts, NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Great, great, great. He was he was very good in that Washington game. Okay. I'm gonna get to Sirianni here in a minute. Because this ties into this. Would you ever I, I heard a hey, tone? I heard this on Sports Take. Okay? I, I heard this on Sports Take. So would you ever back a guy? whose ratings out of like 40 running backs in the NFL, out of 51 running backs, he's ranked 39th, yards after contact 39th, pass protection, he's one of the worst in the league at 33. And you got a coach coming out today defending him, that he's their number two guy and will remain that. And saying we really like him, he knows he made a mistake, whatever. I'm not even talking about the stupid tweeting. I'm talking about defending the most non-productive player in your huddle. Why would you protect a guy who's not giving you anything and then turn around and lie to you and make it sound like this guy's productive? And then at the other end, you keep a dude who's completely not a part of the, I don't even know why Rashad Penny's on the team. He's taking a roster spot that maybe a safety or linebacker you could have on your team. Maybe another old lineman. I don't know. Maybe another, maybe another kick returner. I don't know. If you're a head coach, don't you make a decision here? Get this. I guarantee you Howie Roseman didn't want Kenneth Gainwell suspended. Because any coach with his 
set of brass balls would have suspended that guy for being a distraction and for not being focused at the task at hand. What coach in his right mind would sit there and have a guy active for the following week when he wasn't engaged and he was more concerned about what dumbasses were talking about him during a close NFC East game? By the way, this game this week has a lot to do with first place in the NFC East. Cowboys are coming out of a bye into the Eagle game, and the Eagles are coming out of this game into a bye. Cowboys have to win next week. If they win Sunday, they're in first place in the East. This is for first place in the East. And you've got a guy that's not engaged. I heard his comment too. Hey, if I didn't, hey, if if I suspended guys for making mistakes every day, we wouldn't have anyone to play. I didn't know you had character issues on your team. Okay? Regarding the Raiders firing, the one thing I will say about Sirianni is this. He may not be the wonder boy like McVay or McDaniel, but he understands people. Josh McDaniel has failed time and time again because he doesn't understand people. He may be smart coordinator, but he can never understand human component of coaching. Sirianni isn't a spectator. I'll tell you what Sirianni understands more than people, Tone, how to get along with those people in the organization and what he has to do, okay? Sirianni knows how to get around a room. I don't know if that has anything to do with coaching, but that has everything to do with knowing how to get around organizations, something Doug couldn't do even. There is no doubt. And by the way, I think that is a skill set. Okay, I do. I think that's a skill set, and I think every coach has his own skill set. Jimmy Johnson never called a play in his entire head coaching career, ever. Never called a play. Never called a play. He managed talent and his coaches. And what he would do is evaluate everyone the following Monday, Tuesday. And he would tell them what he thought. But those coaches were all engaged, and it was just a way of him delegating strengths to people and how they were able to coach the players. The players felt more engaged. Get this. The assistant coaches were the guys that were kind of like the good guys, and Jimmy was the bad guy. There was a good guy, bad guy element. All great coaches have that. Do you want to hear something? One of the things that made Bill Walsh great, Bill Walsh was a tyrant. And, and, and do you know, he guess, what he guess who he ripped? This is a tech. Everyone has a technique. Okay? Bill Walsh never ripped his players. He would go so knee-deep into his assistant coaches, he would just undress the assistant coaches. You know what the players felt like? The players felt like they had to play for their assistant coaches because they wanted to back their assistant coaches like McKittrick and all them guys. They wanted to protect them, so they showed up and played every week and did everything to their assistant coaches because they didn't want to see Bill embarrassing the assistant coaches. That's another way of getting it done and motivating people. That's another way of motivating guys. Everyone's got a way of doing it. And again, Nick knows how to get around Howie, and Nick knows how to get around the locker room. That's a skill set. It absolutely is. Gainwell deserves to be benched, if you ask me. We are trying to win a Super Bowl. I have zero tolerance for dumb shit 
like Jay Jockin with a damn fan in the middle of the game. Absolutely, man. But there's no place for that. The guy's sitting in his basement right now with that Instagram thing highlighted on his wall somewhere. And he takes it into every room he has showing everybody. Look at what happened. I got game. Why? It's such a nothing burger in the world of life. But in the game of football, if you're not focused, dude, and you're the worst, and you're one of the worst, get this. Kenny Gainwell is the least productive player on your football team. He is the least. He is the least productive offensive football player on your football team. And they play him and put him in critical situations. Hey, do you think that fumble had anything to do with focus? I do. If you're dumb enough to do that stuff with Instagram, how do I know you're not wandering in what your thought process is when it comes to your responsibilities on a respected play? How do I know that you know what the blocking scheme is when you already suck out loud in pass protection? I mean, this guy's numbers, he's one of the worst football players at his position in the National Football League. And the Eagles sometimes feature this guy in drives. And then you got Nick defending him. You don't have to defend. You're lying. That's not getting a guy's back. And by the way, think about how incompetent that is and how much interference Howie's involved in this entire move. You got a guy in Rashad Penny. If anything, you could have played him this week, gave him an opportunity against Dallas. It's not like you're replacing a guy that's giving you anything. And see what you got with him. He's so bad, Penny, that they're sticking with this guy and telling you he's good. Tell me this. Why in the world? That's not, you're not motivating. Kenny Gainwell, I've said this for two and a half freaking years. He is a dude. He's a dude. He's not special. That old line and Jalen are special. Okay? To me, fumbles represent a momentum loss of focus. Yeah. I don't get why Nick falls on the sword for dumb shit like that. All he had to say was, we have zero tolerance for that. He knows better. I spoke to him and then it's been addressed. Next question. Perfect. Shit. Tone sounds like an experienced NFL head coach. I don't owe you nothing. You fall on a sword for a guy who blows and lost focus and embarrassed your organization. Why? Why? What's the reason? To motivate? You're not motivating him. He's not good. He's not good. This is a front office problem. This is, and you know what? To Tone's point, this is what makes Nick good. And Doug couldn't take it. After Doug won the Super Bowl, he felt he had the autonomy. 
to address shit like this. I guarantee you, Kenny Gainwell is not playing this week if Doug Peterson is your head football coach. He is not. Because any coach with his weight and gold is going to command that you're focused and you, you understand and you know better. The head coach does not have the ability to discipline his players. And I don't mean being a dick. I mean just the little things that you know better not to do. I'm not talking about walking around, your chin strap's not on, or you're, you're, you're this, but I'm talking about late to practice. I'm talking about tweeting or texting during the game of an NFC East game. I mean, that kind of shit there. That's the stuff that you look at with the little things and focus on what you're talking about, Tone, with focus. You're in the stretch right now of the most important part of your season. Get this. All the work you did could go away in three weeks. Everything. It's a week-to-week proposition league. You could be in, hey, in two weeks, you could be in second place in the East if you lose Sunday. Do you ever think of that? You'd be in a wild card. Well, that's not going to happen. Okay, right? All right. I happen to agree. But Dallas goes in there like they always do, and they beat you. And then they win the following week. Dallas is in first place in the East. And the NFC goes through Dallas. That can't happen. Really? I didn't think losing to the Jets could either. I didn't think a player would be on Instagram in the middle of a heated game where you get this and you're losing. Maybe, hey, how about this? Maybe Gainwell wanted to look at what they were doing blitz-wise instead of looking at his phone on Instagram. And then the head coach today coming out falling on the sword for that asshole. And then telling you he's good. This is going to go right into my topic here. Ridiculous. Now, again, this is what makes Nick possibly the perfect fit for Howie. Nick Sirianni is not a great coach. Nick Sirianni is the perfect fit for Howie because he's not going to challenge his authority. Right here is the number one example of it. He's not challenging his authority. Any coach, I don't know of a coach I've ever played with or been around that would not have suspended or fined him. How about this? How about fining him? If you don't want to suspend him for the Cowboy Week, fine. How about fining him? No. Really? I know guys who have done lesser deeds than this. And some would go, Sills, you really think being on your phone at halftime with an NFC East is a finable offense? Yeah, I do. Because it sets an uncool precedent in the locker room that anything goes while we're in game. Yes. You have no authority of your team. But Nick knows how to, as Tone says, he knows people. And he knows not to pee in Howie Sandbox. And Howie Sandbox happens to be the players in the locker room. And that's why he's a perfect, he's not the Eagles' perfect fit as a coach. They get another guy in there. 
but he wouldn't be perfect for Howie. Howie's never going to put a guy, they're never going to put a guy in there like an Andy Reid or Doug Peterson or any of those kind of guys. They're going to fit a guy that fits Howie. <laughs> totally, hey, he knows how to get around a room. That's not, that's not great coaching. However, it keeps continuity going. That's why you don't have any dust-ups, especially when you're 7-1. and one. It's not that he was on the phone. It's the fact he allowed himself to be exposed the way he did. Optics and perception is everything, especially in an NFL locker room. Quite frankly, I'm not debating this conversation right here with anybody, really, because I don't give a shit what you think. Your coach falls on the sword for the dumbest shit on the planet, I can't take these apologies every week. You should answer it exactly like Tone said. Hey, we addressed it. We had a conversation about it. Next question. End of story. Gainwell has dirt on someone. Only explanation. LJ, I, I, I just, hey, get this, LJ. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll even go here. I'll even go here with you, LJ. Ready? If Gainwell did all that shit and he was second in the league in yards after contact when he was like third in pass protection, I'd have a heart-to-heart, strong-ass conversation, but I'm not pulling him out of the Cowboy game just because it's, just because of an infraction. I'm not. I'm not having the rest of the team being sacrificed. But when you suck and you're a liability and now you're a – distraction liability. What's the point of you being on the team? Hey, that guy, your head coach, I'm going to say this. Here's the topic here. By the way, somebody posted something, and I love you, James, because it was a great topic, and I'm going to have a conversation about the corners, and everyone's like, Silio's out of his mind. Well, okay, we're going to do that one too here in a minute. Sirianni is the coach of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I would never put my vote for that guy in the history of the league, ever. Ever would I do that. That guy is a librarian. And he lies. And he lies to the dumbest people. The media. The players know. I would never vote for that dude. Okay, anyway, but how he he could never coach anywhere else in this league. But a place like Philly that had strong GMs. I'm telling you. He doesn't have a say on his roster. Kenny Gainwell should be fined at minimum. Nope. How we didn't want him find. Had a conversation with him. It's all good. There's no discipline in your locker room for distractions. Seriously? Some of you go like, the littlest things matter when you're trying to win a Super Bowl. Let me say this to you. Game will is Debo. Too many feelings, no bite. How about this? Did you think you had a little bit of the distraction in the Super Bowl with uh, Jonathan Gannon? interviewing for that job in Arizona or 
Shane Steichen a little bit, knowing he was going to get the Colts job. Do you think that little bit of a distraction was enough that it was a three-point swing in the Super Bowl? That little distraction, do you think that accounted for a little bit of not being completely focused on Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes? Ask yourself that. And of course, any of, some of you will go, no. Because you're just dumb. Will Nick Sirianni and the coaching staff hold back the Eagles from winning a Super Bowl this year? Do you worry more about the defense and the offense, or do you worry more about the coaches and taking you across the finish line this year? Who do you, who's your bigger concern? Who's your bigger concern? The players? Or the coaches? And if you say the coaches, then you have an imperfect team. Like everyone else. Coaches, I'll say this to you. If Nick Sirianni loses a Super Bowl for the second year in a row, or he doesn't get this team across the NFC champ or to the NFC championship game, how will that look for him having the best rosters two years in a row and not getting it done? If Sirianni doesn't get to the Super Bowl or the NFC title game, you think the front office would look at some things and maybe not fire him? But eventually you got to do something. Like you'd have to put some heat on this, right? Because he's not a real head coach. Then you're in a dilemma. I say that your coaching staff is going to stop you from winning a Super Bowl this year. I do not have any faith in them. All these training wheel coaches that you have every year is obnoxious. You have a Super Bowl roster, you have great players, and you have limited coaches. Why? It's exactly what I said. Hey, you know what's crazy? Tone said this the other day. Why in the world would you be doing an experiment on a guy like Trey Lance or someone else on the team like Gainwell or what have you when you're in the midst of a Super Bowl run? You could also apply that to coaches. Why in the world would you construct a Super Bowl team and have the one component just so you can have control over the coaching staff? You'll never win a Super Bowl that way. You didn't win that Super Bowl because you had control over Jim Swartz and Doug Peterson and Frank Reich. He, 
Those guys were power figures in those locker rooms. You weren't putting that shit past those guys, ex-players, guys who had been around the room, guys that coached with some of the greatest coaches, guys that knew how to build rosters and coach players. There is no doubt that since the firing of Doug Peterson, you've had limited coordinators. And it proves out every single... I'll, I'll say this about Steichen. Steichen's a pretty damn good coordinator. He 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 is. I'm I'm I, he is. He he's missed. He's missed. Doug better. Hey, how about this? Nick better get to the Super Bowl. Or he, if that guy loses another Super Bowl in a row, it'll come down to the fact that you don't have the coach the coach to do it. The shit today it aggravated me. Falling on the sword for Kenny Gainwell is falling on the sword the previous week for Brian Johnson. Falling on the sword the previous week for, for Sean DeSantis is dumb. Don't answer those questions. You're falling on the sword for Howie. <laughs> Devin, it's not the point. And by the way, does he do some good things? He does the one thing that Tone says that's correct. He gets out of the way. He's not a coach who gets in the way. He stays out of the way. He's smart. I'm telling you, Frank did a great job at prepping him to get that job because he's doing it. Do you not agree? He is the complete inside out of what Doug was when he the Doug was. Isn't it a completely different personality? From Sirianni to Doug, aren't they two completely different men? Andy Reid, two completely different men. Chip Kelly, two completely different men. That's a different type of guy that they've got in there now. You know what that means? He's interchangeable. He's interchangeable. This is how the front office is going to be the problem again for you. Howie is constructing a great team, putting together a really good football team. They have done a magnificent job at putting all the pieces together, except the coaching staffs. Isn't it funny? The best coach on the football team wasn't even put on the team by Howie. It was put on by Chip. Howie didn't hire the best coach on the staff. Chip Kelly did. I mean, you make this guy sound like this guy hired the best coach next to Jim Johnson and Buddy Ryan in Eagle history as the position coaches because Buddy had a lot to do with gang green. Is is, is uh, Stoutman? He didn't hire him. That's a chip hire. Okay. Chris goes like this. Fat Seals is speaking shit. He knows that I don't have to be at the Novacare Center to watch a guy stand at the microphone and talk about a guy who's one of the worst-ranked running backs in the league with no discipline after being an asshole in the locker room at a halftime 
when you're down 17-10, more concerned about some dickhead in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, Instagramming him in the middle of a battle where you got Dallas on the other side of that. This is focused on winning a Super Bowl, not being a Stunan. I mean, honestly, do you really have to be a bug on the wall to sit there and make these statements? Every week, this guy's apologizing for shit that everyone knows isn't true. He knows how to get around a locker room. Is he good with players? Hey, everyone's good with players when you're seven and one. How was he when they were two and five and you guys were screaming for his head? Remember something? The Eagle front office took his play calling duties away. He didn't hand him over. So wait a minute. Seven games into his coaching tenure, he decided to hand over his play calling duties. Well, that's got to be one of the shortest coordinators in the history of the National Football League for a head coach to hand over in seven games his play calling duties. He was told. <laughs> yeah, it really, seriously, a month and a half into your coaching, month and a half into being a head coach of the Eagles, they took his play calling away. Okay. No, he handed it over. Because that's what all coaches do. Coming off a four-win team, you'll believe anything. You'll believe anything. You'll believe anything. I'm just saying, man. I I heard that conversation today. I almost shit a brick. Like, why is he doing that? And then I heard the numbers that that Rob was throwing out about Gainwell's production so far after eight games at the halfway mark of the season. He's one of the worst players on the Eagles. It gives you nothing. Dude, put Boston Scott in there. Dude, I thought you loved that kid, Boston Scott. You must not. There is this crazy-ass infatuation with this guy, and he sucks. And the coach tells you how good he is. You're like, there's nothing he does that's good. Once again, people throwing the seven and one. Guy Matt LaFleur's ass is on the line. He's won almost as many percentage games as Sirianni has. He's won 68 of his games. They're talking about firing him at the end of the year in Green Bay. Offense looks pathetic. They're not getting in out of their way. Aaron Rodgers was right. The guy's not a good play caller. Or maybe it's because you had Aaron Rodgers there. How funny is it people in here think that Nick Sirianni would have a 7-1 record if Marcus Mariota was the head, head guy throwing the ball around. That's how dumb you are. You'd be a 500 football team if Mariota was the quarterback of your team. At best. You're not winning those close games. You would have lost both to Washington if Mariota was your quarterback. You'd have lost both of those games. You may have lost a game in New England. You clearly lost a game to the Jets. 
When you take a signature quarterback out of your huddle, the coaches are relevant. It's about the Jimmys and the Joes, not about the rooster in the hen house. It's not. An NFL team, it's the Jimmys and the Joes. And if you don't have them dudes, I don't care what kind of rooster you have. There's nobody in there, man. That dude can't make hay. When you don't have the right people on your football team at the right positions, I don't give a shit if you're Don Shula. I don't care if you're Chuck Noll or Bill Belichick. Look at Bill Belichick. You think Bill Belichick's any lesser of a coach today than he was 10 years ago? No. Doesn't have the personnel up there now. Nor does he have the personnel in his front office because Bill was dual. Still stinks we're the Bears. No, Drew. Again, another dumbass comment by a dumbass. You're this close to winning the Super Bowl. It should be on a sense of urgency right now that everything matters. If you're the Bears, do you think I would be talking like this if this was the Bears? Really? The Bears are a decade away from being decent. They got a long haul, man. They got a long haul. You you can't kill a team that's been awful for a decade. Now, when you see shit like New York not getting the paperwork in on time to Park Avenue on a trade, incompetence. The coaching record doesn't truly matter. What matters is, does the coach have authority in his own locker room? Does he have authority on Sundays? And does he not just go by analytics, but by gut? Funny. I'm identifying somebody that I won't bring up his name again because it aggravates some people. That's not Nick Sirianni. We need, uh, how you doing? Tool threat, cue ball, I love it. All right, I'm going to get off this because getting your little panties in a bind. I know your feelings get hurt. We're going to talk about beating Dallas and how to attack Dallas here in a second. I love what James did. Um, James threw out a topic. Let me, let me, let me get this exactly right. I really like the posting. By the way, James, I, I absolutely. And once again, it, it's a great teaser. It's over on the Jacob Sports Twitter and over on my Twitter. And it's just blowing up right now. And we 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 mentioned this. We mentioned this um, yesterday. And really great job by, by James. Your cornerbacks have been exposed for being only center fielders. Everyone knows they can't play press. And that's why Matt Patricia fired Darius Slay in Detroit, which is true. And James Bradbury was fired in a cap salary issue in New York because he's also a center fielder. This is what we said. I also point out now, and I'll add to this, is it the scheme? Or is it the players? 
that are failing. Because this is a scheme. And, and, hey, I've never seen a place in my life when you hire brand-new coordinators on both sides of the ball and nothing changes. You hired a guy from outside the building to come in and run a system that you had in place already. Most coaches, Jim Schwartz changed the entire defensive structure in Cleveland when he got the Cleveland Browns D.C. job. Dan Quinn completely took what Mike Nolan was doing in Dallas and turned it inside out. Fangio went down to Miami and changed everything Brian Flores was doing and changed it out and put his own system in. Not in Philly, though. You plug and play with coaches and players. Okay? You're running someone else's system. The side's doing the best job he can. And I think he's not doing a bad job. I've said this. Okay? Um, is it scheme? Is it scheme or is it the two cornerbacks um, that are failing the Eagle defense? Is it the scheme or Bradbury and Slay? You're hurting our feelings is the only way we feel anything, Sills. <laughs> Cue ball. It's sports talk. Relax. Relax. It's sports talk, son. I know you're kidding, though. But it's sports talk. If you're getting bent, that's a you thing. It's sports talk. Calm yourselves. Just remember that. Sports talk. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, not, we're not solving the Ukraine or the Palestinian-Israeli war here. Relax. Slay and Bradbury can't keep up with these youngins. Uh, Bradbury and Slay are washed respectfully. I think a lot is in this. I th Dave, I think a lot is in the scheme too, which is hurting them because you're not getting pressure on the quarterback. Slay and Bradbury, listen, I would say this to you. The lack of pressure compared to a year ago, which was historic, I think, Clouded people's judgment on Bradbury and Slay's play last year. Okay? Don't worry. We're the best team in the NFL. Yeah, on November 1, you are. You could be in second place in two weeks. In the East. If you lose Sunday. Um... Eagle secondary about to get cooked. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up here in a second. I think it's a combination of both. I think it's a combination of the scheme and also the players not being the same as they were a year ago. Okay. I I look at I look at Philly's secondary. Your, your secondary is not very good. You know this. You know this. Sam Howell threw for 400 yards on you. How could you be in denial of this? How could you be in denial when a guy who was on track to be sacked 80 times, 90 times, how, how, and he throws for 400 yards on you? 
Dude, Mac Jones threw for 300 some odd yards on you. How could you not be sitting here going, you see, and here, you're 7-1 and one heading into the toughest part of your schedule. You did all the right things except for one little hiccup, which it's not a big deal to me. You get, get this. And just to show you one more time about that Jets loss, now that you're 7-1 and one going into the stretch of games that you have coming up, I don't care about the Jets loss. It has no bearing on whether you're the best team in the NFL right now in November 1 or not, because you are. Just like when Kansas City loses to Denver. I don't care about that loss. No, I do think they have a lesser team because I don't think they really have a lot of playmakers like they've had in the past. But that doesn't change my opinion of Kansas City. They always have a shitty game somewhere in the schedule where they drop a game like a year ago with the Colts. Okay? I don't care. I personally think Jurgens being out is why our running game has been bogged down. I think the reason the running game has been bogged down is because nobody fears Kenny Gainwell and DeAndre Swift running the ball. They fear Hurts in open space. I told you this at the beginning of the season. The deadliest part, there's two now. The deadliest part of the Philadelphia Eagles, okay, is A.J. Brown and Hurts in open space on third and long. You can't defend that. And what's happened, get this, that's we, we, we've been chronicling this. You're going to have positions now going through these next couple games. I don't, I, you can't deny this. There's going to be way more turnovers coming up and less opportunities to rectify them. Why? You're playing better quarterbacks. Dak has had massive success against the Eagles. Okay? Patrick Mahomes has beat you two times in a row in consecutive years. Josh Allen is absolutely having a great year. By the way, I'll show you a little bit here with how people look at Josh Allen and how people look at Jalen Hurts here in a second. Just, just to give you some context of where I'm with Jalen and where others aren't. Okay? So you're going to see more turnovers if you're not running the ball. Because you're going to be throwing the ball more. Hey, what I what I like is how people think that if you throw the ball 200 times more, you're not going to expect any more turnovers. Galen Hurts is going to have 12-plus turnovers, interceptions this year. If the players Bradbury and Slay and Reed Blankenship are confused on what we're asking them to do, so many broken coverages. Because they're not that hot right now because you're not getting the pressure on the quarterback. And some would go like this. Well, we're third. Yeah, but you had 70 sacks and you were getting six a game. What you did a year ago was historic. It's the second best pass rushing front from a statistical angle in league history. You could have had 55 sacks a year ago instead of 70 and still finished third. 
or first. You're missing the volume of pressure that you got a year ago versus this year. I mean, use your common sense. Well, we're third in sacks. That's not the point from a year ago. You had 70 and you were averaging like six a game. I mean, between the quarterback hits and the pressures, compared to this year, it's down significantly. That's why your corners are getting worked. And that's why they're targeting Dean. Every time they see that kid in there, they're going to go right at his ass. People posting that stupid shit about 12 tackles in the commander game. And he was a he was a token target by the commanders in that game. <laughs> yeah, hey, get this. I had 12 tackles on a defense that gave up 500 yards in offense and 31 points. Did you have a good game or not? Did you really feel you had a good game? I wouldn't even raise my head in my team meeting. 12 tackles on a team that gave up 500 yards in total offense and 31 points. And you're going to walk in here, Crone, I had 12 tackles when they targeted you almost every time you were in the game. Give me a break. Devin goes, those tackles didn't matter. What, what what did you what did you miss what I just said? What did you miss? What did you miss? His 12 tackles, he played like shit. <laughs> Boy, I mean, you you look at the game way completely different, especially when Sam Howell lights him up. Sam Howell lit him up. Zach Cunningham and Nicholas Morrow, I thought they didn't do that bad a job. I thought they were okay. Every time that guy came in, they went right at him. Hey, man, that tight end, I didn't even know who he was. I'd ask yesterday, Tone, who he was. The kid was, like, really good. I'm like, who is that? I didn't even know Washington had a tight end. You're being exposed because of the lack of pressure by your defensive ends, okay? You're not getting the same volume of pressure that you got a year ago. Graham's down. Redick is getting back over the last three weeks. Josh Sweat the last two weeks has been really good, but not 2022 good. Okay, and the quarterbacks are holding the ball longer. Why? Because you're still playing that stupid-ass 10 yards off the ball center field. And that's why you're seeing all these passes completed by nobody quarterbacks. Use your common sense. Just watch the game. It's not that difficult to follow along. Well, maybe some of you it is. Okay, maybe some of you. (laughs) When you're off the ball and you're not getting pressure, that's going to cause your corners to not grade out high. Dean sucked. It got beat every time is my point. Yeah, okay, Devin, it got beat every time. You're right. My bad. 
Sorry, Devin. Don't you get this? What's the kid in Dallas's name? Ferguson? He's not having a horrible year. You know, he's not having a horrible year. But he's still better than Dean. Dean won't be able to cover him. I And get this. It's not that Ferguson's great. It's a mismatch. What's the kid Ferguson in his targets? I guarantee you this guy has like seven catches in this game every time. He, they're going to go right at those backers. That's how – I'm, I'm going to talk about how you go at them. Okay? This kid Ferguson, man, he's a complete mismatch with N'Kobe Dean in this game if they start him. And he's not even good. Sills, I've been a fan 50 years. You're trying to convince us how bad. I'm not trying to convince you how bad you are. You're stupid. I'm trying to convince you how close you are. I can't believe how ridiculous that statement right there. You are 007. I'm trying to convince you how close you are. That everything matters. You're not the Bears. You're close. Don't blow an opportunity like the Rocky says. Like the Rocky movie says. You can't pass by this opportunity. It's the chance of a lifetime. You can't pass it by. I can't believe you can't hear that but you hear criticism instead of a sense of urgency that you're close to doing something special. You know, if you win the Super Bowl this year, you validate last year even. Then you start to put yourself into the role of being, are you going to be like a small dynasty like the Cowboys were in the 90s? Because you start validating shit. 007 doesn't get it. Don't let it pass by. It's the opportunity of a lifetime. That's where my angle is. I can't believe you can't hear that. You've been a fan for 50 years and people talking shit to you like that? When you're this close... You're in a sense of urgency. You're in a sense that everything matters. Guys looking, losing focus. I'll tell you this. A, a scoop and score is the result of you losing a Super Bowl. Ferguson has 33 targets, 25 catches, 237. I guarantee he has a big ball game. Guys. It's funny. You come in, you guys think that I talk shit here. I'm talking to you from the angle of if you clean everything up, you're going to win it all. But but you 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 just want to roll through it. Like some of this shit doesn't matter. It mattered in 22. I'm going to say this to you. If you finish the season 14 and 3, you would have had a better year than a year ago. 
Why? Because you play better teams and quarterbacks. Don't you want that? And then you have to do the most important thing. You have to validate a 28-win window. Boy, I'll tell you something, man. I can't wait to see how some of you would react if you had 28 regular season wins and you have nothing to show for it. How would you feel? Ah, don't worry about it. It's okay. You sound like Cowboy fans. Twenty-eight wins you could possibly have. Nothing to show for it. I don't even want to ask Tone that question. There is so much work to do. Seven and one. I guarantee, if you ask those players in that locker room, how important that is to them. It's important because they're ahead of the race for home field. Other than that. Seven and one has no bearing in the Cowboy game. Just like your no loss heading into your undefeated record heading into the Jets game had no bearing. Jets beat you. You think they cared? <laughs> I mean, had no bearing. This is for supremacy in the NFC. In my opinion, too. This game, Jerry Jones needs this game on Sunday. Why more so than you, this is Jerry versus Howie? This is Jerry versus Howie. You know why? Let me, let me, let me, let me, before I take a time out here, I want to show you something here and I want to tell you something here with your general manager and even John Lynch are willing to admit, and Jones is not. You ready? Jerry Jones sits pat and says, we have enough, and we like our guys. Do you know what Howie does? Nah, I made a mistake on an edge rusher. Let me go get Reddick. Nah, I made a mistake at corner. Let me go get Darius Slay, Bradbury. Nah, I made a mistake at wide receiver with Rager. Let me go get A.J. He is willing to admit his mistakes by the moves he makes. Jerry's not. He falls in love with his guys and overvalues his players. There lies the complete difference between the Niners. Look at what the definitely wanted all this year, but how long did Peyton go before he won it all? Yeah, he happened to be in the era of Brady, too. It's like playing in the Tiger Woods era. Dirty D. Think about this, though. Look at what the look at what the 49ers in Seattle did. The 49ers were willing to admit mistakes and upgrade their roster that maybe potentially they made. Okay? Like, what was that guy's name that's with the Jets now? Solomon Wilcox? The D tackle? Is that his name? So they went and got a defensive tackle. Or they got Chase Young in San Francisco. Remember, they made a mistake in San Francisco with Solomon Wilcox? So what'd they do? They went out and they got another edge rusher. Solomon Thomas, that's it. They're willing to recognize their failures in the draft and rectify them. 
Jerry's not. Howie, Howie Roseman looks at some of his failures and absolutely rectifies it with a move. Our safeties aren't good, okay? He goes out and gets a pro bowler. Right? Dallas refuses to admit. So come Sunday, Howie's way of doing business versus Jerry's way of doing business. Jerry Jones has his name all over that roster. And if they get crushed on Sunday by the Eagles, you have nobody to blame. It ain't Dak Prescott. You blame Jerry Jones for that. Because the Howie Roseman way of doing business along with John Lynch, there's a reason those two teams are sitting atop the NFC. I don't give a shit what their records are. Every time they line up against you, they pound you. They pound you. It's just, it's it's remarkable to look at the difference in approaches. Now you see why the Eagles have had more success in the last 25 years. Okay? I mean, hey, I made a mistake. Let me get a corner. Hey, I made a mistake at linebacker. Hey, let me sign Kaiser White. Hey, I made a mistake at wide receiver. Hey, let me make a trade for A.J. Brown. Not Jerry. You're telling me you couldn't have got a big back somewhere or signed for net before the Bills got a hold of him? Or even, even fired Zeke and brought him back? Coaching is the only way we lose this game. Completely, Trucker. Absolutely. Absolutely true. And turnovers. Which could be led by the fact that there's shitty play calling. True. Okay? The only thing that matters is winning it all. Some people in this chat can't see the big picture. We could be the standard like New England was if we pay attention to details. Warren, thank you for some bringing some common sense here. Thank you. It really is like Rocky sitting in that room with that fight promoter, and you just don't want to take a shot at the title. And you let an opportunity slip through your fingers because you don't want to challenge yourself each and every single week or every fight. Rocky turned down that fight because he didn't want to challenge himself. He was afraid of failure. That's why he turned it down. He didn't have confidence in himself. To get into the ring with the best on the planet and challenge who he was as a man. And to do that, when you get into the ring with people like that and into a game with people like the best, you got to bring your best. And when you bring your best, whether you win or lose, at the end of the day, it's a hard-fought game. And you did everything you could to win that game. Steve goes, Rocky's a fictional character, but the premise is for everyone in life. Most people think in fiction. <laughs> they do. That's why there's more people in the stands than on the field. 
because you don't get it. You just don't get it. You just don't get it. Challenging yourself. Being a man. Hyper-focused. You missed the entire premise of Rocky if you don't understand that that was the moment in the movie. That's the movie. The moment in the movie of Rocky is him there thinking he's going to be a sparring partner because he doesn't think much of himself because he's never had confidence in himself because he's always fought Spider Rico's his whole life. And a guy offers him the opportunity of a lifetime. Fear crept in. And he became afraid. He want to challenge himself. Well, when you get into, like I said, the ring with people like that, and you play in large games and meaningful moments, you got to bring everything that you have in your life. You got to be willing to die. Put your body and soul on the line. That's the movie. Some go, it's fictional. If more people applied that way of thinking, you'd all be successful. We'd all be. Takes a special person to have that kind. And this, again, some of you guys really think, and you come in here every day thinking that I bash the Eagles, and what I'm trying to tell you is, you're this close. Don't waste the opportunity. That's where I'm coming from. You have a chance to become historic. Don't you want to be? Do you know Philadelphia hasn't had a dynasty in the history of that city except for the Flyers? You've never had a dynasty. Nothing. Baseball, basketball, football, nothing. This is a chance at making history. Rocky was never seven and one. See what I did here? <laughs> yeah, I like it. Sills, do you think our cornerbacks will cost us another Super Bowl? I, I think you got to get more pressure. Slay and Bradbury have been so underwhelming. It makes me nervous in big games against great quarterbacks. One thing is for sure, again, it's the pressure. I got to take a timeout. Guys, happy wings giving from Hooters. Okay? Got to tell you, man, the iconic Hooter girls want to thank each and every single person out there. And so what they're going to do for the entire month of November, all the great specials, ice cold Coors Light, $2.99. Get this, 25 cents of every single purchase. We'll go to a local charity as well. Hooters calendars are here. And you got $100 gift certificates in all the Hooter calendars. NortheastHooters.com. Go to NortheastHooters.com. And you can go into any one of the locations from Rhode Island all the way through Jersey down to King of Prussia. Lunch specials, Monday through Friday, 1130 to 3. Bonus wings, happy hour, Monday through Friday, 4 to 6. 
Six items, six bucks. Try the fried pickles. You'll love it. Seafood Sundays, half price. Get the buffalo shrimp. I love it. Military Mondays, 20% off for all of our men and women who have served in the military. Tuesdays, okay? Buy 10 wings, get 10 boneless free. And, of course, Wing Wednesdays, 1983, the year the place was founded. We invite you to go in to any one of the locations, northeasttutors.com. That's northeasttutors.com. And when you roll in this November, make sure you tell them Big Sill sent you. and Hooters, the perfect pair. you own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428-267-261-3428 my name is dr bruce grossinger and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program assures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. National Football Show. By the way, Tone's going to join us at the bottom of the hour here for his segment, the segment, and Dave Wanstat, former Cowboy defensive coordinator, head coach of the Bears, and also head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And a member of Fox Sports will join us. That'll be at 4.30 Eastern time. 
So we'll talk to the coach who won two Super Bowls in Dallas as the defensive coordinator and head coach at Chicago and in Miami. We'll get his thoughts. That'll be, hey, how about the little nugget that Jimmy Johnson dropped that he was offered the head coaching job for the Philadelphia Eagles by Norman Brayman? I wanted to double check that. Norman Brayman offered him the job. And um, I think it was right after the 86 year, he offered him the job. And Jimmy was like, I don't know. And he wasn't sure yet. And he didn't want to leave right away because he didn't know because Norman wasn't really all that engaged. But that was the only one thing that he was um, kind of attracted to was that he would have total say in the entire operation of the team. And Jerry was in the process. You know, Jerry turned down the Chargers. He tried to buy the Chargers. His father talked him out of it. Then when the team came up, Jerry was putting the money together to try to buy the Dallas Cowboys from Bum Bright. And he kind of paused because that was his childhood friend. And he goes, hey, I'll give you complete say of the entire team. Da-da. And so Jimmy, being a Texan, wanted to coach the Dallas Cowboys. But then he would have to take over for Tom Landry and that whole fiasco, which to this day my wife still doesn't like Jerry Jones because of the way they handled Tom Landry. So I thought that was crazy that uh, Jimmy was offered the Philadelphia Eagle head coaching job. Can you imagine what that could have looked like? You know, how he would have been in charge because he wasn't in complete charge in Miami. He wasn't in charge. The owner stopped deals all the time. Wayne Huizinga, the guy who owned Blockbuster. Jimmy wanted to get rid of Marino. Huizinga didn't want to because he was a gate attraction. Jimmy was trying to win games. So that's a fact. By the way, hey, hey, Tone, I don't know. I don't even know if you guys know this. They were going to trade Marino and Troy Aikman was going to come out of retirement and play for the Dolphins for Jimmy. Google it. Troy has said it. He thought about coming out of retirement if they were able to trade Marino. And he was going to come play quarterback for the Dolphins. Uh, that would have been interesting to see if they could have duplicated and get that running game going in Miami instead of throwing the ball around the yard, which led to nothing. Here's another case of the passing stat. Get this. Think about something here, too. And I know the leagues were completely different. But the league is closer to what Marino did, and Shula won nothing. And yet, the most success he ever had was running the ball with Zonka and Kick and Mercury Morse. And a quarterback that threw the ball 12 times a game. Shows you that running the ball still matters when it comes to dominating football games. No matter what the era, no matter what the decade, it still comes down to running the ball. The passing stat is the most overrated stat in pro football history. You could throw for a ton of yards and mean nothing. Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, the list goes on and on. Phillip Rivers, Dan Fouts, on and on and on. Aikman doesn't have a high number when it comes to um, passing yards. He's got three Super Bowls. Joe Montana doesn't really even have a total, a number that's really crazy great. Do you, I, if I'm not mistaken, Tone, correct me and fact check me on this. That Ryan Fitzpatrick may have more passing yards than Joe Montana. You know, I, I, and I think they played the same amount of years. He may actually have more passing yards, Ryan Fitzpatrick, than Joe Montana. 
just to show you what the passing stat means sometimes to people. And I, I get today's NFL, they want that. That's what they're striving for. There's no doubt about it. But if you can't run the ball and have balance, it's more about balance than it is anything else. It's about balance. Here, how to attack Dallas. This is what I would do, okay? I think you got to run. You got to you got to run the ball. I mean, you got to stop the first. Let's do the offense on the Cowboys. I think you got to stop the run, which the Eagles have been excellent at this year. You got to stop that run. Give them no chance. I don't think they're very dominant at the point of attack. I, hey, Tony Pollard doesn't frighten me. Tony Pollard is a dude. Okay, he's a dude. Montana has him beat by only 6,000 yards, but Montana played 26 more games. Ryan Fitzpatrick. 6,000 yards and Montana played an extra 26 games. I showed you, man. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is a journeyman quarter. He's a journeyman quarterback. At minimum. Got to you. Got to stop the run. And I, I just, there's no question. I think you got to pressure Prescott, and you, I think you got to bring middle blitzes, inside blitzes, games. I think you got to get him moving around in the pocket. I think he likes to, you know, most quarterbacks like to get to a point in the backfield. It's called their spot. Monty Kiffin taught me this. They like to get to their spot. Kurt Warner liked to get to a spot. All these great guys, that's what made guys like Montana, guys like Young, guys like Aaron Rodgers so hard to defend because it didn't matter where they were in the perimeter running around. They were so athletically gifted, they could complete passes. It didn't have to be on a particular spot. Brady liked to get to a spot. What used to always bug Tom Brady? Internal pressure. Right? Up the middle pressure where he couldn't step up in the pocket. Brady liked to get to a point in the seven step. And if you had internal pressure on him, you could get to him. And they did often. Teams like Baltimore got to him. Sometimes the Colts would get to him. But they would get with interior pressure because of Dwight Freeney. And you would have Suggs also moving around on the line of scrimmage in Baltimore. You ever notice how Baltimore was one of the very few teams ever to go up to New England during the Brady era and actually win ball games there late in December? Because they ran the ball and they got pressure on Tom Brady. I think you got to get pressure on Dak Prescott. And last week you had one sack, albeit important, but you didn't bring a lot of pressure last week. And if you allow him to sit back and you play 10 yards off the ball, it you'll make C.D. Lamb look like the best wide receiver since Jerry Rice. Just common sense would tell you, no pressure, 10 yards off the ball. It's pitch and catch. You, you're going to make the average wide receiver on that team look spectacular with that philosophy and way of thinking. Do you press more? I don't know if you're able to. 
because then Dak beats you deep if they get behind you. If you're confident, get this, if you're confident that your corners are better than they're playing right now, you need to press these guys. You got to make Dak double double clutch. You can't have him get in rhythm. Sam Howell got in rhythm and threw for 400 yards on you. Completely, Sam Howell, Dak Prescott is superior to Sam Howell. Okay? And I think Terry McLaurin is probably CeeDee Lamb. I do. Hey, you know what? The only reason, if Terry McLaurin played in Dallas, you would be talking about Terry McLaurin like you talk about CeeDee Lamb. We all know this. You're over. You're overvalued as a cowboy. You put C.D. Lamb in Minnesota. I don't know. He's the second dude on that Minnesota team. You put that guy in Green Bay. He ain't Devontae Adams. You put him in Dallas. He's Michael Irvin. Yeah, I actually, I'm 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 with you on that, Devin. I I actually. There's a lot of me that likes Terry McLaurin more than CeeDee Lamb. I think he's tougher and he shows up more. Middle blitzes. Middle blitzes. This is what I would do if I was the uh, Eagles attacking that Cowboy defense. Their propensity to want to throw the ball so much is going to be a coaching issue that I can't wait to watch on Sunday. If they are going to look, – look at here why I don't trust the coaches. They're so steadfast at playing Kenny Gamewell that they're blinded by their own game film of seeing him not produce. But yet they still, with their arrogance, put him out there like he's performing. There's not one thing he's doing well this year. Not one thing. And they're telling you and playing him. Get this. He's your red zone back. It's not DeAndre Swift. They take Swift out. Then you you take the lesser, you put the lesser player in red zone. Is that right? Now, you tell me if that's fundamentally thinking correctly as a coach. Do you, Nad goes, have faith in Gainwell. How can you have faith after eight games when he ranks as one of the worst backs in every skill set? From pass protecting to runs after contact. How can you say have faith when he has failed for half the season? Faith in, I don't have faith. And he's put the ball on the carpet and he's acted like a toolbox. Have faith in, help me have faith in him. They're going to want to throw the ball. Me? I think you got to fight that urge. I don't think the Dallas Cowboys, they want you to throw it. They're going to do everything they can for you to throw the ball against them. They want to get into a shootout. They don't want to get into a fist fight. The Cowboys are going to do everything they can to bait you into a back-and-forth offensive game. They'll beat you or can beat you if you do that. Instead of – they don't want you to inflict your will on them because you can. 
But for whatever reason, the Eagles, they they are so steadfast at developing Hurts into a passer. They're chipping away at their own identity on how to beat teams. You know, in years past, you could say this. The Eagles could walk into games and go, how do you want us to beat you? Now, they're walking into a game going, we're going to throw the ball and kind of run the ball at you. I think you got to fight that urge. Run at them, man. They cannot handle, they cannot handle pressure at the point of attack. They want a 35-34 ball game all night. They want 41-40 kind of ball game. They don't want a 21-17 game, 28-21 game. That plays right into the Eagles. You know, the Eagles can beat the Cowboys 28 to nothing, and it'll look like a 48 to nothing game if you run for 250 on them. You do not want to get into a one-possession game with Dallas. And get this, you've got the skill to do this. But it's like you're fighting it. It's your, 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 Again, I get the bone bruise on the quarterback. It's kind of like pitch count shit. I get it. Okay, I, I get it. All right, let's get to tone and let's get to the segment here. Big Sales, how are we doing today, sir? Oh, good, my friend. I appreciate it, man. You've been listening now for a little over an hour now. Definitely. An hour and a half. Give me some of your takeaways. I think a lot of people got the wrong idea about what this is and what the expectation is and what we're capable of. You know, I, I, I've been reading the chat and I've been real, I've been real passive today. I kind of just been watching, just listening, just reading a lot. I normally don't really read too much of the chat, but I was reading it today because I think you were speaking a lot of truth today. This Philadelphia Eagles team is very close. They're closer than they've ever been. And let's be totally honest about this. In 2017, even though we won it, nobody thought we were that close. No one, not even me. And I and, and, and I always think my Philadelphia Eagles can do damage every single year because that's just what's in me, right? But even that 2017 season, no one saw that coming. But now you look at this roster, the 2022 roster, the 2023 roster, you see what they have. You see how talented they are. You see on both sides of the ball, you pretty much have pro bowlers and all pros on damn near all three levels. You have a superstar wide receiver who's going crazy right now, can't be stopped. You have a quarterback who has the will of a champion. Only thing missing is the ring to match it. And this city, everything that it's built around, everything that was built on the foundation of it, everybody that that pours so much into the Philadelphia Eagles, all the cement that was poured into the foundation of everything that we stand for in this blue collar city of Philadelphia, that's what that, that that's what the Eagles are. So when you have the tools, when you know you're that close to the promised land, when you know you're that close. To bring in back the Lombard, bring in the Lombardi Trophy back to Philadelphia. We're that close to another parade. Why are we sitting here trying to make excuses? Why are we sitting here trying to pretend we're the Bears? Why are we sitting here trying to pretend we're the Cowboys? Why are we trying to pretend like we're just average? We're not. We're not average. I don't care what no one says. I put this team in the same vein as the Chiefs. I put us in the same vein as the Bills. I put us in the same vein as the Bengals, all those, the 49ers. I don't care what no one says. And I'm not settling for less. Maybe it's too black and white. Maybe it's too binary, too many zeros and ones. Maybe it's, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm too caught up in 
just the overall goal and not appreciation and not appreciating the journey. But the reality is when you have everything at your disposal, a quarterback that refuses to lose. Did you know Jalen Hurts, his stats, he has some of the best stats in the NFL in terms of being uh, having a tie score or being behind. I, I can't wait to show it to you later on in the show. But the point is, Jalen Hurts is a guy that refuses to go down. You know, you brought up Rocky, right? And I, and I saw somebody say, uh, yeah, that's fiction. What are you talking about? Some of the some of the best stories ever told in life are from fiction. Some some of the most motivation, some of the best motivational speeches, some of the most inspiring moments that we've ever seen in our lives come from fiction. So why are we sitting here trying to pretend that fiction doesn't define culture? Why are we trying to pretend that it's a it's a rocky statue in Philadelphia for a reason? You dig what I'm saying? Like, don't, yeah, don't. yeah it's, I, it's, it's I, a sport, sure. But the reality is sports back in the back in, back in the early centuries of time, their sports was their livelihood. The Coliseum, the gladiators, the NFL, that's our modern day Coliseum. The players, they're our modern day gladiators. They put it all, all on the line. Why are we sitting here trying to pretend that we're average and we're not? It's so much at stake right now, Sills. So that's, much. That's that's see. Maybe I didn't do a good job telling people that when you come in here every day, it's not about bashing you. It's about opportunity lost. You don't want to have opportunity. Let me tell you, let me, let me tell you something personally. Okay. This, and we had Jimmy on yesterday. Something I look at every single day of my life. You know, and this is just in my small neck of the world. I had everybody telling us, everyone, that we were the greatest college football team in 200 years. We were the greatest team, the greatest team. All we have to do is beat Penn State for the national title. 100 million people watched us that night. I played my ass off. I sat there. We won the national title next year, but it wasn't the same. I sat there in my locker room. I said, fuck, fuck. I led an opportunity. And we we played so great on that side, but it, we lost as a unit. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Johnson says in his book, hardest loss in his life, professionally, collegiately, was that game that night. Right. And when you lose an opportunity at being great, it, it there's a sense of urgency that comes over you and that's why we won it the next year. And to me, it made Jimmy a better NFL coach. Here you are here. I'm going to tell you this. I think the Eagles actually have better character this year than they did in 17 and in 22. And I'll tell you why. Mm. Because you didn't – Hey, for all your reactions, can you believe we won it? Can you believe we won it? We I'll tell you this: the players we in the building that. probably were saying we the same we thing. We believe that shit, Sills. The players, the, the players probably couldn't believe it. Last year, and this year, or last year, can you believe we lost it? That's more of an emotional scar. It was so hard winning, working the next day. Because before, when we won it, I wasn't in the sports industry at the time. You know what I mean? I was, uh, I was. What was that? I was, I was, I was, I was, what was that? Jeez, man. That was, I was fresh out of college basically. But my point is like, when we lost earlier this year in 2022, when we, when we lost, 
it was so hard working the following day, having to talk to the people, having to explain what happened. It was so hard for me to curb Almost my emotion. I was embarrassed. We three points, three points. Almost embarrassing, isn't it? Come on, man. Think about that. Uh, that Rams Titans Super Bowl when uh, the Titans were an inch away from winning the look, game. Look at this. You think that doesn't in his and that receiver's mind for the rest of his life. Right here, that will go down as a lost opportunity. That's why I tell you, Tone, that Rocky movie, man, the movie's not the fight scenes. The movie's in the building when the guy is offering you an opportunity at challenging mm -hmm. yourself and challenging yourself to challenge others and to be in the room with the best and not to have fear, to strike fear down, to challenge fear, to elevate your own game, to elevate your own manhood. That opportunity, when he gave it to him and he goes, no, he was afraid to challenge himself. Absolutely. And then when the guy says to him, you can't let opportunity pass you by. That is the movie, dude, because he realizes it there. And maybe I haven't done a good enough job at explaining myself and how I come about doing a show like this. You are so close to doing something in Philadelphia that you've never had in the sports history of that fabulous city. It's having a dynasty. You're We're arguably the, in the best time right now. You're in the from a town perspective. This can be this. You can validate even last year. I don't think people understand where we are right now. I don't think they people don't, understand just, 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 just how 23 and four or 23 and whatever it is and seven and one. And they see things in the micro. Look at that. that. I want to show you this tone. That Miami Dolphin dynasty that was in the mid 70s, they got beat by the Cowboys in the Super Bowl in the first one. They were so laser-focused the next year, they went undefeated, won the Super Bowl. Then they came back the following year, won another Super Bowl. To me, that's the greatest NFL team of all time. You know why? You won three AFC championships in a row. You won two Super Bowls, and one of those years you were undefeated. That's how you put a stamp on what your career was and what you do and how you do it. It's a sense, you know, you know, Nick Bonacani told me, I go, when did you guys realize you were undefeated? He goes, man, we didn't realize we were undefeated until the New England game. That was the last game of the year. <laughs> I mean, but see what people are looking at here, you know what they're thinking? They don't get it because when I talk about this, you're not the Bears. I saw somebody in here go, Sills thinks we're the Bears. Furthest from that. If we were the Bears, we wouldn't be having these conversations. Absolutely not. We'd be talking about next April's draft. Exactly. Exact. See, you know, my dad. You know, my, my, my dad taught me something. Right. He said, "Don't be concerned when I'm yelling at you, yeah. or when I'm holding you accountable. Be concerned when I just stop paying attention. Be concerned when my be concerned when my expectations drop below sea level. That's when you should be concerned. You see." With great expectation comes responsibility. And I know these players get it. So I ain't worried about them because I believe they're led properly, especially from the quarterback position. I, th I think they understand what's at stake here. You know what I'm saying? Oh, of course. And, you know, you know, I feel like not all, but there are some fans, and not even just in this chat, but some I come across in, in, in everyday life, you know, there are some fans who are just too okay. They're, they're just okay with where we are. 
They're okay with it. We're relevant. We're competing, all that kind of stuff. Seven and one, 22 and all that stuff doesn't matter at all. It's not a Super Bowl at the the end of it. It means nothing at the end of the day. It means nothing. It's it's okay to talk about. It's okay to say, oh, yeah, Jalen. It's okay to use that as a barometer to say, okay, this is how far he's come. You know what I mean? He's he's shown a level of consistency, right? It's okay to use, you know, the records and all that kind of stuff then. But when you're talking about the grand scheme of things, when you're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles and what they're trying to accomplish, we're in the business of Super Bowls and nothing less, nothing less. So when certain things are said about the Philadelphia Eagles, when we're talking about them in such a way because it may sound like we're nitpicking or criticizing or whatever, it's because we're that close. We're that close. That's my angle will always be my angle. I don't talk about I don't talk about shitty teams like this because I don't care. Why would you? Right. Why, why would you? I talk about teams that are close. Now, we could talk about incompetence like the Giants because they're in a division. Right. But you're this close here. Okay, let me let me get into some of the questions here for you now. Yeah, let's do it. Why why what what in the world is Nick Sirianni falling on a sword for Kenny Gainwell? What why is this and why are we looking at I couldn't believe some of those numbers Rob was throwing out. Yeah, Dude, I was shocked. I had no idea those numbers were out there. I had they no was, idea. They were so beyond awful. Why do they consistently fall on the sword for that guy? There's no excuse. I I can't make sense of it not one bit. You know, I look at, you know, Kenny Gainwell is a guy that I always thought had promise. But, you know, as his career progressed year after year, I'm thinking to myself, okay, his game hasn't elevated, in my humble opinion. And I'm not a running backs coach, but damn, I know when the guy's productive and I know when the guy's not. And it's at a point now where he's fumbled, he fumbled on the goal line. You're tweeting at halftime or, or you're DMing people at halftime that has nothing to do with what's going on right now. You know, you're you're you're, you're not focused. It's it's like he's acting not, like a cowboy. He 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 he's he's acting like he's a part of a franchise that's going nowhere. So when Nick Sirianni go in, I have to and I have to actually like go back and listen to it exactly. Um, I didn't get a chance to listen to the whole thing, but when you are falling on a sword for a guy, when you when when you, when you actually don't have to see, that's my only problem with Nick Sirianni. You know, I'm not as critical of him as you are, but <laughs> you know, he overexplains shit. He, he overextends himself. He overexplains. Yes. You know, like you know, this is. See, I feel it comes <laughs> off sometimes tone like he's talking down to you. Listen, you know, uh, y- you're going to get a kick out of this, right? You ever uh, you ever heard the saying, you know, you can talk yourself out of some, you, you know, some, uh, <laughs> yeah. you can talk yourself out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything can be going well that night. You, you, you say you say one or two many words and then you can talk yourself out of a good, you can talk yourself out of a cup of coffee. Absolutely. You dig what I'm saying? You can talk yourself out of it. I, um, Nick Sirianni is just... He's he's over explaining. He's he's saying more than what he has to. All he had to do when when they asked the question about Kenny Gainwell and so on and so forth, all they had to do was say, you know what? We addressed it. It wasn't a good look on us. We're in the middle of a game. He knows better than that, but we addressed it and we nipped it in the bud. It's been handled accordingly. Next question. Simple. Done. Because at the end of the day, when you really think about it, it's really nothing. But it's the optics, it's the perspective, it's how it looks when you're down at halftime, when your offense is struggling, when you just fumbled the ball on the goal line. You can't do that. It doesn't make any sense to me. So Nick Sirianni, I understand. Look, I I always respect someone who 
is a is a leader among amongst men and they and they feel the need that you know what I'm going to take the bullets because I have to take ownership of this organization. I'm the coach. I'll take all the bullets. I, I, I respect the I respect the premise. I respect the mindset. But there are moments where you just don't even have to say the things he says sometimes. And I'm a Nick, and I like Nick. I like him. I'm I'm more of a duck guy, but I like Nick. You know what I'm saying? I, do I wasn't you a, think? Do you I, think? I don't get it. Do get you it. think that that's a directive to feed Gainwell, or do you think that that's Brian Johnson? Because eventually, look, if you keep seeing these numbers, you have to know as a coordinator, you keep running a guy into a play who's going to fail every time. You don't run that guy in there. I think he's directed to play him. They see the numbers. They know he's not productive out there. They know he's not. Well, then get this. Then the coordinator. That's not. That can't be. That's that's not Brian Johnson. I don't don't think it's Brian Johnson. I think think Sirianni has this infatuation with Kenny Gainwell's skill set. In the bottom line. So you know what it is? Uh, DeAndre Swift is everything he wanted Kenny Gainwell to be. That's what that is. And he feels like he can find a way to maximize Gainwell. My thing is, I think Boston Scott's better than him. I'm being honest. I like, I've been like, you know, th- th- there were certain players that I feel like the city kind of goes hard for. They go hard for Quez Watkins. They've gone hard for Kenny Gainwell. And I'm like, yo, first of all, I felt like Zach Pascal should have got more snaps than, uh, than, than uh, Quez Watkins. I feel like Alamito Zakia should have got more snaps than Quez Watkins. I didn't I have feel, a problem with that. I, I, like, I feel like Boston Scott is better than Kenny Gainwell. I've seen Boston Scott win games for the Philadelphia. I mean, literally, I've seen Boston Scott win games for the Philadelphia Eagles. I've seen him have game-breaking plays. You dig what I'm saying? They they, they don't call him the giant killer for nothing. And for some reason, he's he's not he's he's not favored in this Nick Sirianni offense. Doug Peterson had no problem using using Kenny uh, using um, Boston Scott. He had no problem. But Kenny Gainwell was drafted by Sirianni, so that's his guy. So I think that's what it is. Boston Scott is a Doug guy. He's not a Sirianni product. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He was an un. I, 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 well, uh, he was he was picked up by the Saints, I think, undrafted, and then Doug picked him off of their practice squad, and he became an Eagle, and he was and he was productive for the Eagles ever since then. He's never averaged less than four yards of carry for the Philadelphia Eagles. Huh. Always, always been productive. When when they went through that spell, um, I think it was the season where Carson Wentz got knocked out in the playoffs um, versus the Seahawks. That season right there, Boston Scott was the unsung hero. Boston Scott won games for the Philadelphia Eagles, caught touchdowns in the end zone. You know what I'm saying? Breaking he he like there was a stretch for the Philadelphia Eagles. They had like nothing but divisional games left. And Boston Scott was just going off. My point is, Boston Scott is a Doug asset. He's not a Sirianni asset. And I don't and 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 he means he's a Doug guy and he's not a Howie guy. I, I I I don't I don't know if that has something to do with it, but listen, man, Kenny Gainwell should not be getting snaps. Over Boston Scott this weekend. If he does, you know I'm gonna have a problem with that. How about this? Do you think that? Do you think he should have been suspended or fined? Honestly, I wouldn't even did neither. Really, I would have pulled him to the side and I would be like, "Yo, listen, what's going on? Like, you know better than this. Like, I mean, after he he fumbled and he's not playing well, you still are gonna go there." Because I want to know if you're completely vested in what we're doing here. I get it. I, I don't know. I, I guess I look at it as a fine is like him like like breaking a, a code of conduct or a law. You know what I mean? A, a fine is 
Don't you think it's like a locker room conduct issue that, you know, you have to have some set of standards in there that when you're in the middle of an NFC game and you're down 17, 10, so you're looking you at it as like setting a pre- game. So you mean I like setting a precedent pretty much? Like, Yo, you know, yeah, I want okay. I want to know that I want to show you I'm the boss of this place here that we have a set of standards. And by the way, I get it. I I, I, not, I, I get I'm the not, perspective. Not, I get it. I don't think not playing him. I don't ever think that that's the way to to take it from the player like that, especially going into a game like Dallas. I don't think punishing the other 53 guys to make a point. I okay. hate that coach too. Okay. okay, I do. Like, I'm not taking Michael Parsons off the field because he's late to practice. But I'm I mean, he's Michael, practice. I'm not. But, but he's Michael that. Parsons, right? So yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally get that. Yeah. I'm not doing that shit. But you have to have some set of standards in your locker room. Don't I you? get it. Something has something has to be something should have been done. Um, I just don't know what it. I I wouldn't suspend them though. That's one thing I wouldn't do. I wouldn't but, have either. Yeah, but maybe some kind of. I don't know. I probably would have drilled his ass in practice. I would have made sure. I would have made sure he. You know what I mean. I would have, I would have made that ass sweat. <laughs> now I asked the. I'm going to ask you the two topics here. Do you okay. think Sirianni and this coaching staff? Do you have more concerns about them moving forward to win a Super Bowl than you do the roster itself? That's a really great question. Based off based off the details you laid out. Comparing it to the roster, comparing it to the coaches, who am I more concerned about in terms of Super Bowl birth or Super Bowl win? I had to go coaches because I was concerned about the coaches last year and the roster was better. You dig what I'm saying? So I was concerned about, you know, I was concerned about the coaches when the roster was better. (laughs) So, 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 so that, so that hasn't changed still because Nick Sirianni still has to prove it to me that he can call the play in the biggest moments. And, that still hasn't been shown to me quite or yet. Or maybe not call the play. Or, the not, or not. Right. Moments. Some some you know what? Sometimes you gotta just like you, the like the jet game. Like, like Doug Peterson in the Philly Philly call. He was he was looking all through the play sheet. Foles walked up. The, the first thing Foles said to him, Philly Philly. Peterson dropped the dropped the playbook. And he was like, okay. I think I, it's the greatest moment in Super Bowl history. Okay. Because like it seemed like Doug was shocked that he he wanted to run that play. Doug trusted him. It was like this. He's he's listening to Frank. They're going like this. He walks over and he goes like this. All right, run it. And I was oh, like, oh, okay, that ain't analytics. And they ran that play one time in practice. They said they said only practice one time, but Foles was feeling it, and Foles understood the assignment. You know, I mentioned but this all that's the time. having a gut feeling in the game and having a sense of awareness in the game of knowing that your player's hot. Absolutely. And that and you're not what? listening to the guys with the analytics telling you. I think that's what happened to Ron Rivera this year. And guess what? And that, you know, when I was at the Maxwell Awards, right, you know, I was backstage and, I, you know, I was able to hear conversations, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, they were, you know, they were introducing Jalen Hurst to receive the uh, the Chuck Benerick Award, all that kind of stuff. Sirianni was backstage. How, um, uh, Hurts was backstage and they were showing, you know, the Super Bowl highlights and all that kind of stuff. And they were giving, they were telling about stats, how how good they were on fourth down throughout the season. And remember in the Super Bowl, there were about two fourth downs where Nick Sirianni normally would have went for it, but he got passive, right? And Hurts was hot that game. He was converted. But for some reason, in, in, in one particular moment, Sirianni decided not to go for it on fourth down. So they showed that play. And then they talked about, and then they mentioned how good they were on, uh, on, on fourth down, I watched Jalen Hurts with my own eyes walk up to Sirianni and tap him, say, "We should have went for it. We should have went for it." Hey, so insecurity. So you know what that tells me? Like we mentioned with Doug Fear. and Foles, Doug trusted his guy. 
fear. He trusted his God. Rocky Another, moment. And that was that was a moment. Those are the moments you have. Listen, those That's moments. That's the don't, difference between Doug and 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 winning. Is those right moments there. don't come by in life too often. Right. So, just like you know, it's so funny. That's and what that, I've uh, been trying to preach and, today. What, 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 what game was that? Uh, the Dolphins game, right? Jalen Hurts converted a fourth and five, fourth and six. He 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 broke right, delivered the delivered a, a, a beam to uh AJ Brown. AJ Brown got to the one yard line. They called it a touchdown, but it had been on the one yard line. But he converted like a fourth and three, fourth and four, fourth and five, something like that. And they scored on a drive, right? So Jalen Hurts is running back to the sideline. Sirianni's like, "That's why I trust you. That's why I trust you." Hurts says, "You should." What do you mean? That's why you should. It's no question. So we'll see what happens later on and down the line. I don't believe him. I don't believe Sirianni trusts him. There's no way in that Super Bowl. Because you know why? Tone, Sirianni doesn't trust himself. Mm, That's a hell, that's a bar. And for me, like, you don't tell a quarterback, this is why we trust you. He already knows that. He said you should. It's a and dumb comment. Cold, it's a just dumb cold. comment. Just cold-blooded, you know? So, again, hey, and Like you said, look, Super Bowl, really. So, in the Super Bowl, they don't go for it. But then it, there's a Hurts was there. hot. Hurts was cooking. We all saw but the game. he goes like this. This is why we trust you. Jalen is like an elephant, it looks to me. He remembers everything. He knows deep down that Nick's got more fear than he does. And he knows that that coach – um, has to answer to people, and he knows that that coach. Hey, let me tell you this. Remember what they did to him when he was two and five. They stripped him of his play calling duties. Okay, I've never heard of a coach who was hired, and in a month and a half, you lose your play calling duties. I've never seen anything like that. They wanted him to be more of a manager, so they came up with some bullshit. But all I say is, I see this. That guy has a lot of insecurities and a lot of fears, and he overexplains shit too much. And when you over-explain things, that means you have a lack of confidence in yourself because I don't owe you anything, okay? I owe my team uh, comments. I owe my team my attention. I really don't owe you anything, Tone, if I'm the head coach of a football team. I owe the 53 men and the 19 guys in my practice squad and my front office my undivided attention. I don't need to over-explain why I'm supporting a guy who sucks as a running back and why the front office likes him. You've said it perfectly. This is how you should answer Kenny Gainwell. We've addressed it. We're pissed at it. Next question. Simple. It's very simple, man. Again. And you, you end know, it. Exactly. And, you know, the last thing the last thing I wanted, you know, I wanted to be made clear. I like Nick. But I'm also critical because I know what we've had prior to. See, it's see, Doug Peterson left some big shoes to fill. I don't care what nobody said. He left some big shoes to fill. And, that, and those shoes are the size of a Super Bowl trophy. A Lombardi trophy. So my thing is, he comes in here, and yeah, we're going to love you up because you're our guy. But best believe, at least me, I'm going to hold you accountable to what you say, what you do, how you move, because that's just how I carry it. And that's how much I care about this team, because I know what it looks like. I know what success looks like. See, I say it all the time. They never should have let us get one. They never should have let us get one. Because because now we know what it looks like. We know what it smells like. We know... You know, we we know what it feels like. You dig what I'm saying? Oh, you're greedy. <laughs> I'm I'm starving. I'm insatiable. Yeah. Does it bug you? 
right now to see that you're knowing what we're saying here and you see Doug having success in Jacksonville and you I'm, know I'm happy for he's going to win his fourth division title in seven years and he's got all that accolades and he's rebuilding the Jaguars and That's you know insane. what kind of coach he is. That's insane. He's rebuilding the Jags. He has the Jags in con- – I don't care what no one says. The Jags, I feel like they can beat anybody. You know they're number one in turnovers defensively? Tony, man. I think the Jags are. Oh, Jags and Eagles in the Super Bowl. That would be spectacular, man. That would that storybook. That's a movie right there. That that storybook. That storybook. All right, let me ask you this one now. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what James did. He put out that kind of was like a tease on the cornerback plays, and I said that the cornerbacks right now are just not playing ball, a good ball. You're not consistent. You You're right. Scheme issue, or do you think it's pressure? Do you think it's the players, the corners, Bradbury and Slay, or do you think it's all of the above? I believe the corners. I do believe that the scheme doesn't allow these guys to truly play to their strengths. I feel like the scheme has these guys playing off. Well, Bradbury, that's more so weak. Bradbury's not a fast guy. So you don't want Bradbury too, too close to that line of scrimmage. He'll get burnt. We see what that looks like. Um, as far as Darius Slay goes, look, I'll be honest with you, man. It's a combination of scheme, combination of I think these guys are a step slower this year. Um, Pressure. I, and also, when the – see, the thing is, the Philadelphia Eagles, they go with their D-line goals. At least the defense does, right? If that D-line isn't getting pressure, it exposes the deficiencies of that DB room. And the thing is, from a distance, you you look at, okay, you got Darius Slay, James Bradbury. Kevin Byer, you just, you just added, so he's still acclimating himself. You have a young safety in, in uh, Reed Blankenship who's raw but still developing, right? You think about it, you think about all those things, um, and it's like, hold on, wait. They should be better than this. They should. So I think it's a combination of the linebacker play being so bad in terms of in terms of pass coverage. And then you're missing your and then you're missing your starting slot corner in Devontae Maddox. Because that's where the Philadelphia Eagles get ate up a lot the most in the middle of the field. So I think it's a combination of everything you said. You know, scheme. I think these guys are a step slower. I think How about they, this too, I Tone? think they can't cover the same amount of ground as they could year in years past. All How that about kind of this stuff. Though, Tone? See, I think it's the volume of pressure, too. And what I mean by the volume of pressure. Like last year, you guys had 70 sacks and you're number one in the NFL. It's not so much that you were number one in sacks. You could have had 56 sacks a year ago and been number one in the league. Mm -hmm. But the amount of volume of quarterback hits and pressures and sacks compared to this year, it's got to be cut in half Mm -hmm. to what you were doing. So what does that mean? Quarterbacks are holding the ball more. Routes are being able to be developed. They're attacking their zone more because you play off the ball 10 yards. Mm-hmm. There's so, almost every single game that they've played so far, Tone, has been pitch and catch, no matter who the signal caller is. Quarterback's getting the ball out because quick. Because of the lack of pressure and the scheme of playing off the ball 10 yards, mm-hmm. you're expand, you're not getting any center field help when it comes to your safeties being able to be secondary cover guys over the top. You're You're getting guys getting turned around. And what teams are starting to do now, they're running crossing routes in the middle because those safeties are getting turned around. The corners are playing off the ball. Look at how you – you have like a swimming pool in the middle of that field now. You're going to turn – this kid Ferguson has no numbers. I guarantee you he becomes a focal point because every time they say Dean out there, they're going to go right at him 
They're going to go at the linebackers. They're going to try to force those corners up. And then they're going to play pitch and catch over the top because yep. they know the safety help can't get over there. Now, I do think Kevin Byard will be better in this game. I think so as well. Than he was in the last week game. But, boy, I'll tell you what, man. That secondary um, and the defensive line, if the defensive line gets home and you don't get pressure, let me ask you this. Then, look here. How would you attack Dak Prescott on Sunday? I got to make him uncomfortable. I got to make him uncomfortable. You know what's so funny? I was I was watching the first part of that Rams game when they played them last week, and the Rams sacked him like three times on the first on the first on the first drive. They sacked him like two or three times back to back to back. It was crazy. But did they the problem, bring pressure, or was it just the front? No, it was, it was it was it was just four. It was just four guys. The, but the problem came in on third. So they sacked him twice on the first um, on the first series, and then and then on the third down they stopped him, but it was a penalty, so they were able to extend the drive, and then they sacked him again, but then they couldn't see the D line was getting home, but they couldn't get off the field on third down, and that's what I'm concerned about, right? I think that I think the pass rush is going to make Dak uncomfortable, but can can they get there on third down, or can the pass defense hold up on third down? That's what I'm concerned about. That was the you know in that commanders game, Sam Howell hardly saw a third down. He hardly saw a third down. He I he was he he was he he was op, he was operating on first and second down strictly. He barely, I mean, of course they had some third down conversions. It's a football game, but we had more third down conversions than them. They forced us in more third and long third down situations than we did them. You dig what I'm saying? So I think the Philadelphia Eagles, they have to find a way to make Dak uncomfortable, force them off his spots. They can't allow see, they're gonna put CD Lamb in that slot. And he's going to attack somebody in there. I'm curious to see what Sean Decide does. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm curious to see what Sean Decide does, man. But you you got to make Dak as uncomfortable as possible, and you have to get a lead. You, you got to get a lead. Kevin fired on him. Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. I'm not sure. You drop him down on him and but play gotta, physical ball because I don't good. think he can handle present. I don't think he can handle physical cover guys. Let me tell you this, right? The Dallas Cowboys. When they when they're behind, when they don't have a lead, Dak Prescott does not play the same. He's not the same quarterback. The numbers prove it. He's not he, he's not he's not as successful. He's not as efficient. He's not, he's not as he's not as good of a decision maker. Because they when, don't have a running game. When when when, when they're behind, the Philadelphia. Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a four fifty five meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Eagles, when they're behind, their quarterback elevates. Dak Prescott, he deflates when he's behind. So if the Eagles can get an early lead in this game, even if it's a touchdown or 10 points, if they can get an early lead and then just beat them up at the line of scrimmage, the Cowboys not going to be able to touch them. I believe I, I believe that wholeheartedly. How would you attack the Cowboy defense? Do you I mean, know here, before you answer, they're right now wanting to throw the ball so much that it is evident in the way that they've been going about their business. I think you've got to fight that urge in this game because to me, how about this two-tone? I don't think that they're comfortable with the running backs that they have, that they can pound a run game out any longer with the guys that they have in the backfield. You know, the Miles Sanders loss is now being felt because I don't think they trust really to give the ball. Why won't you give the ball to um, DeAndre Swift 25, 26 times? Why not? Okay. You're not going to, and get this. I get the fact that you don't want to give it to him, but since you're not going to give Hertz 17 carries any longer, that affected, and it has affected the run game. You know what's affected a run game? Hertz's attempts. And because they're not willing to give Swift 25 attempts, it's affecting how they're running the, get, running the ball the last month because of his bone bruise or whatever it is, or they're morphing into being a passing team, that his lack of carries – and the inability for them to be good in the red zone and the running backs that they have right now, it's affected the run game because they don't have confidence in Swift carrying the ball 25 times. And they know for a fact that Gainwell's not giving you the production they need. So they're so they really need, not getting anything out of that backfield. So they got to – I'm glad you said that. You have you have, you have an eight-game trend. We talk about trends all the time on the show. Yep. You have, you have an eight-game trend. Uh, an eight-game trend of DeAndre, of DeAndre Swift and Kenny Gainwell. Kenny Gainwell has shown you he cannot do anything right now. He just he's not he's not productive, right? He's he's showing you that. DeAndre Swift he's productive from twenty to twenty. Yeah, you got it. Boston Scott is actually our best red zone back, but they don't use him. This like you have if if you're if you're seeing they don't use Doug's guy. If you're using the limitations, or if you see the limitations in your running game right now, you. Change your pace. Do something different. Don't just keep put, trying to fit the same square peg in a round hole. Do something different to get Look creative. At Look at this. Ray goes like this. Uh, Sanders is not missed, and the Eagles are uh, third in the league in rushing. And yet, the last three weeks, you haven't run the ball for 100 yards as a team. Listen, they're third in the league in rushing because of, because of week two and week three. That's it. That's completely it. They put up over 200 yards in two back-to-back weeks, and it kind of it kind of inflated the stats a little bit. Three weeks in a row. Three weeks in a row. You, you were outrushed by Washington last week. Right. Like I'm not paying. I don't care about the. I don't care about where they're ranked in, in, in rushing yards. I'm, I'm talking about. I'm looking at the trends. The trends. Don't, Correct. Don't stop. Stop looking at the overarching overarching stats. You can get lost in that. Pay attention to the trends. They have they, not. The trends tell you who you are. They have not rushed for over 100 yards in three straight games. That tells you something. Pay right. attention to the game. Yeah, they're going to hang their hat on two games that don't that are in, like two months In the rearview mirror. Two months In the rearview. Being ranked. Okay. They're ranked third in rushing or second in rushing, right? 
So why didn't they put up more than 100 or 150 rushing yards on these on these past three teams? Tell, tell me why they couldn't. Nobody could tell me that, right? So the reality is those overarching oh, full season stats, oh, through eight games, they're ranked second or third and blah, 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 blah. That means nothing. It means nothing. You want me to tell you how it means nothing? Prior to that Miami game, the Philadelphia Eagles' pass defense was one of the worst. But somehow, someway, they managed to shut down the number one passing defense. And then the following week, they let Sam Howell go for 400 yards. So you see how point you see how meaningless stats become when you really think about it in the nitty gritty of things. Stats become pointless when the game starts. When the coin is flipped, stats mean nothing. It's about what you do that week against that opponent. And over the past three weeks, based off the trends, the Philadelphia Eagles have not been able to run the ball well. That's you. You are so right. And again, you what you get tone is you get what a team has done favorite plays here this is what you get today for the dallas cowboys you probably got it a little bit last week maybe but today players show up because tuesday's players day off you get a trend book you get a game plan and you're required to take your playbook in because you're going to have a team meeting then what you're going to have is a defensive meeting then you're going to have a position meeting then you're going to go out and practice that's how teams operate and what you do is you look at the trends okay so the last three weeks, this is what this team is doing. Then you look at the last um, eight games, and you look at the last game you played, which was a year ago, if it was a meaningful game, and you look at that, and you look at exactly what the team likes to do. Because it's the Cowboys, you have a tendency page also in there because you know what they like to do against you. Now it's a different coordinator. It's not Kellen Moore. It's more um, uh, the head coach, Mike McCarthy, now. So – Nuances are going to be different in certain mm -hmm. circumstances on second and six, third and long, second and short. So there's going to be different kind of play callings as there is going to be in Philadelphia. So as a player, you're looking at the last three, eight, and the last time you played them and the tendencies of being in the NFC East. You're going over all this information, favorite plays out of a brown set, favorite plays out of a strong side set, double tight end. You're looking at all the top 20 plays that they like and what they're doing, and the tendencies will come down in percentages. 38% of the time, they like to do this based off the last three games, and the last time you played them, they like to go I-formation, and they like to have uh, max protection in this particular when you have CD in the slot. You have to know all this, and you have to know their top 10 plays. So when you're going through those trends of what you're talking about, it's not just being second and rushing. It's exactly. almost meaningless. Exactly. You know, they're seven and one, right? And being seven and one, all that says to me is, oh, they're on the right track. And so they're in the lead dog for home. That's, field. All, that's all it means. That's all it means. Seven and one means nothing. When you really think about it in the grand scheme of things, having the best record doesn't mean you win at all. You know what I'm saying? Being seven and one just means you're on the right track. That's all it means. You shouldn't go into every game thinking because you're seven and one, the other team's going to lay down. That's not what that means. We just Absolutely. lost to the we just lost to the Jets three or four weeks ago, and we were undefeated at that time. We were four and zero, or five, I can't remember exactly what it was. But the bottom line is, you lost the game, and now you're no longer undefeated. Seven and one is cool to talk about amongst your friends. Seven one is cool to talk about when you're debating with your when you all that all the Twitter talk. That's cool. But when you really want to talk about football, when you really want to talk about the you know the X's and O's and what's going on in the football field, those those guys ain't worrying about seven and one when they playing. They're not going to the they're not going to the coin toss and saying, hey, yeah, we're seven to one, so you might as well just pack it in. That's not how that works. That's not how that works. These guys are grown men looking to take heads off. 
So seven and one, it's cool to talk about, but it's meaningless when you don't beat the people you're supposed to beat. It's meaningless when you don't take advantage of opportunity. It's meaningless when you don't win the Super Bowl. Correct. You don't validate anything you're doing. All 14, your work 14, not 14, and, 14 and three. Okay, cool story, bro. What did you do when it mattered most? Okay, you beat the Giants. Fine. Okay, you beat the 49ers. Cool. You went to the Super Bowl. You pushed, you pushed the Chiefs to the brink. But guess what? They outlasted you. Beat you by three points. Three points. So my thing is, again, 7-1, cool story, bro. But that don't pay the bills over here. That's right. Hey, um, I, I saw that one. Yes, Jerry and uh, Mike McCarthy will let you down near death row. I saw that there. And um, Steve goes, 13-11 is a trend. It's a trend, but not validated. Okay, so if you want to go there, Steve, 13-11 right. is not validated. Because right. you have nothing to put behind it, right? And you know, so you know, somebody brought up, um, <laughs> you know, uh, then you know, stop, you know, then then uh, stop mentioning Dak's eight and three record against the, against the Philadelphia Eagles, right? We the reason we mention it is because it's a trend. It's, it's a trend. Now he lost games in between. Clearly, he's eight and three. He's lost games, but it's a trend. So at the end of the day, Dak Prescott being eight and three, you're right. Ultimately, it means nothing. It's it, it's jargon, right? It's it, it's a trend, but it's jargon. It means nothing because Dak Prescott does nothing in the playoffs. Nothing. He does nothing. He's ne- he's never been to a he's never been to a conference championship. He's not validated so, anything in his career. Right, right. So eight and three, yeah, we it's used as a marker to say historically, Dak Prescott has this level of success against the Philadelphia Eagles and this level of failures against the Philadelphia Eagles. That's it. That's all. I Every wanted, time, I, so that's all, that's all it means. I want to show you this here. One one last thing here. I want to show you the difference between what the 49ers did at the trading deadline and what the Eagles did versus the Cowboys. <clears throat> and I made this point <clears throat> in the first hour. You know, it, it it's we we tried to get Jim, Jimmy didn't want to say it. He thinks they've got a good team. And I and, and I, get I get it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, Dave wants that's gonna join us at 432. But here's the difference. Howie Roseman and John Lynch both accept their failures in the draft so easily that they go out and make moves, Tone, and they expose their failures on a yearly basis. Hey, I need another safety. I didn't draft one that we can have right now to help us, and I let go. Hey, maybe Gardner Johnson, I know he was hurt, I get, but when he was here, maybe we should have – okay, I need, I need a safety. Need a slot guy. I, I I didn't really do a good job of drafting at corners. Well, let me go find two corners. Let me go. Let me go find. Oh, I need I need a wide receiver in here to help Jalen. Okay, let's go get AJ. Jerry refuses. Look at even the Niners. More depth at edge. Got Randy Gregory and Chase Young. They went out and got Javon Hardgrave because they missed on that guy Solomon Thomas. Right. Okay. So for me, Tone. Those are the teams that remain successful because at the end of the day, what they're doing, they're admitting failure, but correcting it as quick as they possibly can. And Jerry does this. Now I like, he loves his guys so much. And here is the prime example, overpaying and overvaluing and underperforming. It's the prime example for the last almost 30 years why the Cowboys are a one and done. And like you said, Harry Roseman has, and you know, Harry Roseman wasn't always the successful, right? You know, he, 
he had to grow into this role. And, you know, still, Harry Roseman has managed to keep this team always in the mix. You know what I'm saying? Like, his ability to just... Because he admits failure. Yeah, it took him a while to get there, though. He had to get there. He had to grow into that. But he's he's got to a point in his career where he's not wasting time just to waste time. If something's not hitting, that's why I'm, that's why I'm kind of surprised the Kenny Gangwell thing is lasting the way it did because Harry Roseman doesn't marry himself to running backs at all. Um, but Harry Roseman has again, he's always trying to stay ahead of the curve. He's always trying to continue to retool, reevaluate, reload. He's 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 regularly just constantly you know assessing the situation right and. That's why, you know, I understand we make our jokes about Howie, but in all reality, Howie's job is done. His job is done. It's time for it's time for these coaches to make something happen now. Is it? They have enough. You need to I'm, get that uh, guy Gamewell's ass out of there. Hey, Tone, no, you, I got to yeah. take a time out here. No, for sure. For sure. Let's do it, man. Hey, man, you were spectacular as always, man. I appreciate you, man. Just keep kicking ass. Our good friend, Tone, yes, every sir. single Monday through Friday at 3.30. That is our guy. Hey, don't forget right now also – it is happy ween givings from Hooters. How do you like that, right? Again, during this time right now, the iconic Hooter girls want to thank each and every single one of you by giving you November specials the entire month. Ice cold Coors Light drafts, $2.99. Get this, 25 cents, too, of every purchase will go to a local charity. The Hooter calendars are out. They got $100 in gift certificates, too, when you buy them. For you to go into any one of the locations, northeasttutors.com. That's northeasttutors.com. Check out the specials, lunch specials, Monday through Friday, 1130 through 3 p.m., boneless wings, happy hour, Monday through Friday, four to six, six items, six bucks, try to fried pickles, sensational happy hour specials as well. Seafood Sundays, half price for you. Get the buffalo shrimp. Military Mondays, 20% off. Tuesdays, buy 10 wings, get 10 boneless free. And Wing Wednesdays, 1983, all you can eat for you there during this great November time. NortheastTutors.com. That's NortheastTutors.com. And anytime you roll into any one of the places, do me a favor. You tell them Big Sill sent you. and Hooters, the perfect pair. You own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. 
and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, Blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. I heard him on WIP today. He says, I feel great. And the Eagles are taking care of me in how they practice me and how they prepare me for each and every single game. And I feel strong for every game. I feel damn good. You think that's a shot across the bow that he's thinking about playing another season? I'd welcome that back anytime. I have no problem with him. And I don't give a shit if he's 45 years old. If he wants to be the Tom Brady of centers, I'll be it. I'm a fan. I have I have no problem paying him $15 million. Shit, man. If that guy was younger, if 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 Jason Kelsey was 25 years old, he'd make $25 million. The only reason he's in the $15 million range is because he's 36, 37 years old. This guy's the top, he's in he's one of the top three centers in the sport. I would have no problem with Jason Kelsey coming back and playing another season. I think he's played. By the way, I'll tell you what. Don't you all agree on this? At 75%, Jason Kelsey's better than most centers. How about this? Don't you guys agree? If they don't become cowards, the NFL, and take the brotherly shove away, that Jason Kelsey is part of the absolute reason that that thing is a massive success. You put an inexperienced center in there, I'm not sure that plays is successful. The two guys that make that play work are Jason Kelsey and Jalen Hurts. Those two guys, it, it, that brotherly shove is almost in the same conversation as the Jabbar skyhook. That they're, they're almost undefensible. Not a... a if it was that easy, how many teams have we watched try to do that play and massively fail? It's got to come down to personnel. That's not a coaching thing. That's a willpower thing. Goal line offense is not a play. There's no advantage except that you have the snap count. You know what's happening. It's not like when you're at the 50-yard line, 
and the entire playbook's open that you're guessing what play's going to be run. And it's first down. When you're on the goal line and you see people scrunching up with tight splits, you know exactly what's coming up. And just to show you how much it's in the minds of the other opponents, how about when they ran the play and they, instead of going up the middle, they ran it to the side. Everybody in Washington was going like this. Shit. You knew eventually that was going to happen because you're doing everything in your power. Everything in your power to stop that push up the middle. My man, thank you very much, Maniac. Love you, man. Hey, Dave Wanstat's going to join us at the bottom of the hour. I'm going to ask him again how, in his thoughts on the play of Slay and Bradbury, two-time Super Bowl winning defensive coordinator with the Dallas Cowboys and also head coach in Chicago and in Miami and a national championship defensive coordinator. And um, I'll ask him about Desai because Desai was up in Chicago. Right, Tom? Uh, Desai was up in Chicago a little bit when I think Fangio was up there. So he was up in Chicago for a couple of years. So I'm going to get his thoughts on Sean Desai and give, give us his, his takeaway on it. I want to throw something else at you here too. Just to show you guys, this comes... This comes down to how you got again, you know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something here. Maybe some of you again at the end of the day, maybe took me f- for something else that I just sit here all day long talking shit on the Eagles. And I didn't explain it enough to you that to me you're in a moment where you can't let opportunity pass you by. And I thought about that. And you, you can't let the de- – the details will get you beat every day. You're in a detailed position right now as an organization. You don't have big holes in your boat. Like, you're not the Titanic. Chicago's the Titanic. There's no way you can bail that out. There's no way that that boat's not sinking. There's certain organizations that you know are going to hit bottom floor. You know it. So you talk about April. If you were the Bears, if the Eagles were the Bears, do you think I'd be talking about the Cowboy game? I'd be talking about the draft. Do you know I haven't brought up one guy's name yet for next April's draft? Do you know what a kudo that is for you? Shit, Tennessee's already talking about it. Washington's already beginning the process of talking about April. Can you imagine that? They're, they're preparing for Easter dinner. They're not even getting through Thanksgiving and Christmas. They're not even getting ready for the holidays. They're ready getting ready for April. Because they're going nowhere. Those are teams that, man, ripping a team like the Commanders or the Cardinals. What's the point? You're just screaming. You're just screaming. Okay? You can lose Jason Kelsey in that brotherly shove. It won't be the same. It it, it will not be the same. I want to show you a little bit here before we get Dave on. A little bit on how I look at Jalen Hurts. And others look at Jalen Hurts. And even how I look at Allen. Allen. 
I like to compare my, because I do mine on Tuesdays, my power quarterbacks, top 10, versus CBS's and, and uh, Pete Prisco's. He's got two in number one. I got Lamar Jackson number one. I trust Lamar more than Tua. I haven't seen him win a big game yet. I've seen Lamar beat Patrick Mahomes. I've seen him beat Josh Allen. I've never seen Tua do shit. He's got Josh Allen number two. I got Mahomes number two. Be hard-pressed to move Mahomes off number one or two for me as the best quarterback in the league, even with the numbers down. He's still the reigning champion. He's the heavyweight champion. Beat him in a game that matters. Not a Bronco game. Vic Sills and the Reality Check Show. Keeping Birds fans honest Monday through Friday, 2 to 6. Love you, Sills. Dirty D, thank you, brother. I get Pete's got Lamar third. I got Allen third. And I love Josh Allen. Pete Prisco, CBS has Hertz fourth. I have Hertz fourth. Prisco's got Mahomes fifth. I've got Trevor Lawrence fifth. He's got Justin Herbert sixth. I don't even have Justin Herbert in my top 10. You got to win. I got two a sixth. He's got two a one. Really, if I was going to put Tua in a game to win a Super Bowl versus Mahomes or Hurts, do you really think that I would take Tug of Viola over those two dudes? Come on, man. He's got Burrow seventh. I got golf seventh. Golf's got impressive wins this year. He doesn't even have golf in his top 10. And they're six and two. And went into Denver, or excuse me, into Kansas City and won. He's got Trevor Lawrence eighth. I got Dak eighth. He's got Purdy ninth. I got Burrow ninth. He's got Dak 10th. I got Purdy 10th because of the last three weeks. All in all, I look at guys who are winning ball games here too. Lamar's having a great season. Mahomes is having a bumpy season, but he's the rainy champion. Allen is a bumpy season, but he's having a great year. Hurts is getting better every week. And his completion percentage hangs around the same number, 67%. Seven of every 10 passes. Jalen Hurts is not regressing. Trevor Lawrence is 6-2. and two. How do you not look at the Jags and think that he's not the reason they're playing well on offense? And the defense is number one in turnovers. I don't know what people are looking at. Tua won a game. You got a big one coming up. Miami goes to Kansas City. We're going to find out now. Golf is six and two. He's outplayed Dak and Hurts so far this year. Lack doesn't have a lot of turnovers. Dak is playing effective football. I wouldn't say spectacular football. That's right. Thank you. So Germany, the games in Germany. Thank you. Keep forgetting. Burrow's getting healthier. 
And Purdy's had a good year. Purdy's outplayed Hurts. Look at the numbers. And, and, and like I said, too, Detroit's got a better win on their record than what the Eagles do. Dolphins, okay. They beat Kansas City in Kansas City. You know, we had Coach Johnson on yesterday. And I, I got I, I to ask Coach, before we bring Coach Wanstad up, what it was like those those rivalry games between because everyone knows we're based in Philly, what those rivalry games were like, and if I if I'm not mistaken, in '86 I brought this up with Jimmy, and I think Coach will will, will verify this. They brought Buddy Ryan down, and he was in the coaching coaching room with us, and he was talking to all of us. He was going over the '46 and Dave and Butch and all these guys. He come out there. I got pictures. I post them on the internet of Buddy being at our practices. How in the hell did that get to being like those great rivalry games? Let's bring in the former DC and head coach of the Miami Dolphins, and also the Chicago Bears. Our good friend Coach wants that. Coach, how did it get to where it got? When you guys, I friends, I'm like, this. It was Buddy's first year. He was the head coach of the Eagles, and you guys had him at our practice, if you remember right. And he was going around talking to our defense. He was talking to Jerome and myself, and it was really kind of cool. And how the whole relationship. Then years later, I see you guys. You guys are tooth and nail going back and forth at one another. <laughs> what a dynamic! Well, you know what happened. Let me. I got two stories with that. Okay. So when Buddy came down to really work out Jerome, I mean, you know, who they ended up drafting. Uh, when he had called and set it up with Jimmy, at that time, he, he was coming from the Bears and the 46 defense, and we were really intrigued by it. And I remember talking to Jimmy and saying, you know, say something to Buddy because we'd really like to get in on chalkboard coaching and talk about it. So Buddy spent some time with a lot of time with us. And we, we put in the 46 defense the spring, that spring. But we never really had the guts. And we worked on it. And, and <laughs> every week, you know, we'd say, well, is this the week? No, let's save it. Let's save it. So then the, we're playing Nebraska in the Orange Bowl. This would have been – and we, you, we just kept it going, Dan. You were gone. It was the last year we were at Miami. And we're playing Nebraska in the Orange Bowl. They had Turner Gill and company, you know, really good team. And we were like three in the country. They were four, whatever. This was the year we were, the last year we were, it was the last game that I coached at the University of Miami. So we said, you know what, the, the hell with this. The Bears coming up. And I remember we lined up and we started bringing the Bear defense. And Nebraska, you know, it was the old I formation. And they're going hard play action pass to the tight end side. And we were in a bare double eagle look and Rod Carter was coming off the edge. He was our real linebacker. We had him standing on the line of scrimmage. And I remember it like yesterday, no sooner did Turner Gill put that ball in on a play fake, Rod was hitting him in the back of the head. <laughs> and it was just one bang after another, bang, bang. And we had never really showed it in the game or didn't much with it. And we just unleashed this thing. I think it ended up 31 to three. I think they had five first downs the whole game. 
But I mean, it was, uh, so now, okay, I'll fast forward. So now we are at the Cowboys and it's our first year and we can't, we can't stop anybody. We can't make a first down. We're getting our brains beat in and we're getting ready to play the Eagles and Buddy's the head coach of the Eagles. And he comes out in the paper that week and he says, well, Jimmy Johnson's going to find out that there's no East Carolinas in the NFL. <laughs> okay, now wait. So Tony Wise is only Tony Wise can say it. He says we're sitting in the staff room and Jimmy reads this and, you know, you can just see the smoke coming out of his ears. And <laughs> before, before Jimmy says anything, Tony says, and Tony could do this. He says, hey, J- Jimmy, Jimmy, Buddy Ryan's totally wrong. There is East Carolina in the NFL. We're the East Carolina. <laughs> oh, my and we, God. And we all laughed, and Jimmy even laughed. And, and, but that was, that was in the back of our minds. And that, uh, that always started the rivalry. And I think the first time we played them, I, I, I might be off on, on one, but I think Troy was sacked nine times. I think it was an <laughs> NFL record. I mean, they, they had Reggie White and Seth Joyner and and Sean Jones, I think. It, well, I can't remember all the – but they had five – Simmons, big guy. Clyde Simmons. Simmons. Clyde Simmons. Oh, God. That that defense was – it was off the chart. And and they were coming with that 46 and bringing uh, – it, it was a nightmare for us. And, um, yeah, in fact, I Norv, Norv was in town last week because his son was with the Raiders. He still is, Scott. So Norv came into Chicago, Turner, and so we stayed at my condo. And so we're we got talking. In fact, we we brought that game up. It's funny we're talking here because he said we were talking about, you know, we used to we were together at USC and then we were together with Jimmy at Dallas, and then we were together, he was my OC at the Dolphins. So we had we we we've caught a lot of plays together and uh and exchanged ideas and still do it. The same thing. And he brought up the Philly game, and he says, Reggie was playing nose. Reggie was playing the nose. So we were going to start the game with a hard play action to Emmett, and we were going to boot Troy out because Reggie was at the nose, and we had to slow these guys down. Well, don't you know they put Reggie at defensive end, and he was at <laughs> and And we're in a press box, and we were – North and I were laughing. We were having a couple of drinks two nights ago laughing. We were saying – we were so excited about everybody was excited. Jimmy was excited. Troy was excited. Nor was excited. I'm coaching defense and I'm sitting in the press box saying, I can't wait for this first play. We're going to boot him out. We're going to hit Jay Novacek across the field, our tight end, right? It's going to be a big gainer. And here we go. We're on our way. Well, Reggie White is at defensive end. And we go and we go for this play fake. And he doesn't even look at Emmett. He just runs up the field and Troy fakes it and starts and turns his back to roll out and Reggie hits him so hard. I mean, it's helmet one way, the ball, the other. it's a mess. That's how the game starts. And I looked over at Norv and Norv looked at me and his eyes got this big. <laughs> but, oh boy, it was, uh, no, it was, it was, we, we had, it was, it was tough. It was as physical a game. And, and they were, you know, and that whole division was so physical. I mean, the Giants with, with Lawrence Taylor and those guys, I mean, they were second to none. 
and and Washington with their crew, Dexter Manley and them. They, I mean, it, it was brutal. But what? But I tell you, those Philadelphia teams with Buddy and and Reggie and those guys, that was that was a sight to be seen, boy. I'll tell you something, Coach, that Coach Johnson kind of hinted at that I had never known. And I know that, you know, you guys, it's like it's like the Miami Cowboy Mafia, you guys, you and Butch and all them dudes. He he came out yesterday and said, yeah, there was a plan for me to become the head football coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And I had, you know, there was a plan, and Norman and I kind of talked about it a little bit that it would be a future deal for me. And he was actually offered the Eagle job before Buddy was offered it. Yeah. Well, he, you know, obviously we, we weren't losing any games at Miami and with Bremen being a Miami guy and the Orange Bowl and everything associated with it, uh, there was a relationship there. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was quite intriguing. Coach, the Eagles and the Cowboys this weekend, you know, I, I, I look at the Cowboys and, I look at their offense versus the Philadelphia defense. A lot of pressure they like to bring. Tell me who Sean Desai is. I think, Coach, he's actually had a really tough time with all the new pieces and all the injured pieces, younger players, inexperienced players. I actually think he has done a really good job. Do you think against the Cowboys that bringing pressure against Dak and as you like to say, getting him off his spot, is that how you upset him with internal pressure and getting him off of his spot if you're Sean Desai? Yeah, you know, obviously we know how good the Eagles are rushing the passer and getting pressures, uh, particularly with Jalen Carter added to the mix. You know, this is a game, yes, Sean Desai, first of all, I got to know him a little bit when he was at the Bears and he was working under Vic Fangio. Uh, and then he took over and, you know, Fangio is not a big blitz guy. He's, you know, he's just trying to make it happen with four multiple coverages, bring a little bit of pressure, about 20% to keep him healthy, to keep him honest, I mean. But uh, so that's that's what the Eagles do. That's what they do. And uh, they, they play several different coverages. I mean, if you make a threat to run the ball, they like to stop the run, kind of like we did, Dan, with our front seven and keep those safeties and split safeties, quarters, halves back there. Very seldom did we want to bring the safety up and get to a three deep unless we really had to. Uh, and, and that's kind of the philosophy of the Eagles. The Eagles will mix in some man. I would look for, uh, you know, the, the one thing that happened in the last game with Dak is he made plays on his feet. And that was something that we hadn't seen much, you know, so, you know, their running game, they're going to run and Tony Pollard, he can make some plays. He's a big play. I you know he's still coming off that knee and you know, this Danny from gone through it all. I mean, it takes guys sometimes two years before they yeah. get back to full speed. So their running game isn't the other thing that the Cowboys are doing. They're playing CD lamb. They moved him around a little bit more, but they also got him. When he's not moving, they play, they're playing him at X receiver now. They always kind of had him in the slot, and now they got him out there in that Michael Irvin position at X receiver. And most teams, when you put three to one side, even four, they got to overshift their defense, which really, if you think about it, it gives that X receiver a lot of one-on-one situations. So now he's got a chance to, to beat the corner in a, or at least be in a one-on-one situation. So the, they've made a few adjustments with personnel, moving them around. Um, 
you know, and, and but but yeah, I would disguise coverages. The Eagles will get good enough pressure with them. I wouldn't pressure unless I had to a lot, uh, just enough to keep them honest. And um, you know, and and see how it unfolds. I mean, see how your offense does against this Dallas defense. I mean, that's that's probably going to be the storyline there. And I, I would look for the Cowboys is is as great a player as AJ Brown is. I wouldn't be surprised if Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator, if he doesn't match up Gilmore. Their best corner, Dallas's best corner, if he doesn't line up on uh, AJ Brown, because Gilmore, I was at Buffalo when we drafted him. He's a big, physical, tough guy, and and obviously AJ Brown is the same. So from a physical standpoint, uh, that probably gives with with Diggs being out of the lineup at Dallas, that probably gives them the best chance from a physical standpoint and from an experience standpoint against Diggs. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see that, and then the rest of it. You know, I mean, Parsons is having a good year, you know, you know, for Dallas, but he's got six sacks. I mean, you know, they move him around. Sometimes you can move guys around too much, Dan, you know, but against yeah. that, against that Philadelphia offensive line, you know, there's, I don't know where you're going to put them and think that it's going to be an easy day because they're really good. You know, coach, you bring a great point up because to me, I think you got to play AJ Brown, like, like Aeneas Williams played Michael Irvin. You got to have a physical guy on him so that you can have pitch and throw with Jalen when you're talking about a guy running a slant. So to me, like you said, I mean, lining these guys up off the ball like that to me can become an issue. But coach, you also said something else. And you know, I couldn't get Jimmy to say this, but the one thing I look at the Cowboys, I mean, they get run off the field and dominated by the Cardinals. They were beat up by the 49ers. You know, the one thing in the last 25 years, Coach, that has not been really addressed since you guys were there has been the fact that when you guys built your football team, you looked for physically fast, didn't matter how tall they were, didn't matter what they – you looked for speed and guys who were physical ball players. I look at the Cowboys. They almost look like a finesse team to me. Micah Parsons – is not a dominant football player like Charles Haley was. Haley may have been 254 coach, but you couldn't run at him. And, and he was a dominant guy at getting to the quarterback, and he was physical. I just think when I watch Arizona and the 49ers beat them up, you're going against a bully. And Jerry's teams have just been a little too finesse. Am I wrong when I said Jimmy wouldn't admit it? He kind of smiled, but am I am I right when I look at how he's built teams – Versus how you guys built the teams. Am I over making this more? Well, I think the difference, the way I would see it is, you know, we had to be physical up front because we weren't going to give you guys much help. Uh, in other words, you know, we, we were four down and we were a lot like the Eagles were. I mean, we were a lot like the 49ers were, a lot like the Jets were. That's kind of what the, the defenses that mimic what we did. I mean, they, they're going to make you or break you with those front four guys. So, so you, where the Cowboys, it's pressure. It's guys up in there. They're coming. They're, they're walking up. They're coming from everywhere. And, and it helps those defensive linemen, in my opinion. If you're a big pressure team, all the pressure falls on the back end. Guys, uh, the way we run it, the pressure fell on, on you guys, Dan, on the defensive line. You know, so I think philosophy-wise – is what makes a little bit of difference there because they're oh. coming, they're coming. So everybody's lined up in gaps and they're on a the shoulder here and everybody's going to be one-on-one. You're not going to have to beat many, uh, 
many double teams and stuff like that when you're blitzing. Everybody's one-on-one across the board. Uh, where in our scheme, in the Eagles scheme, in the Jets scheme, it's it's not that way. These guys up front, you better be tough, agile, and, and, and be a playmaker or you won't survive. Coach, two last questions here for you. Um, you know, when you when you look at Jalen Hurts and how he's come and where he's come from in the last two years, I mean, it's seemingly I ask this question every time I get you on. How surprised are you that he's developing, not just from a quarterback that was more of a dual threat guy to now where, Coach, he's on pace. Last year he threw the ball 435 times. He's on pace this year to throw it for over 600 times. They feel comfortable. Now, the numbers and the interceptions and turnovers are higher because there's a higher volume of turnover plays when you throw the football. I think that's just common sense. But have you been surprised at the way he's developed into a guy like Russell Wilson was early in his career in Seattle? Well, there's a part of you that would say yes, but when you really look into what Jalen Hurts is about as a person, I say no. I mean, this guy stayed at Alabama when he wasn't going to be the starter and, and just worked on his passing skills so he could improve. I mean, that's so – in today's world, guys going to transfer. You know, if, you, if you're pulled out of a game early in college football, now you transfer. Get in the transfer portal, you're gone. So Jalen Hurts, I, I don't care what business you're in. And I think I said this last time on your show, Danny. You hire Jalen Hurts, he's going to make your company – your business, your team better. This guy has intangibles that are so good. I personally, and I don't know a darn thing about, he doesn't look healthy to me running the ball. He's got I, a bone I, bruise. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't, I, you know, I, I don't know, but I'm watching him compared to last year. Last year, he carried the ball about eight or 10 times a game. And when he turned the field up and he kept the ball, you better get him on the ground where I'm not seeing that now, you know, and, uh, I think that's that, and that affects him rolling out and scrambling too. So the guy's playing hurt and he's playing through it. Uh, hopefully he gets back healthy and gets back to his form. But he's he's got the intangibles are off the chart. That's why the guys improve so much. Final question for you, coach. If you were the head football coach of an NFL football team, which you've been twice, would you want Dak Prescott as your signal caller? Yes, I would not have a problem with Dak. I really wouldn't because, you know, it's like, who are you going to get? Tom Brady? You know, at I, I, Miami, all the years I had Jay Fiedler. And, you know, we, we averaged 10 wins a year, 10 and a half wins a year my four years. And everybody wanted to replace Jay Fiedler. And I said, great. Someone walked Peyton Manning in that door and I'm all in. But who are you going to replace him with and who's going to be better? You know, I mean, that's, that's what's so unfair about Dak. You say, oh, we want to get rid of Dak. Great. If, if, if you're going to bring in Patrick Mahomes and swap him out for Dak, I'm all in. Okay. But, but don't tell me you're going to get rid of Dak and you're going to go in a draft and you're going to try and keep your fingers crossed that you hit on one of these young kids. I mean, you, that's, I'm probably not giving you a defined answer, but that's how I feel about Dak. I, I would, you line up and you win with Dak Prescott and they're doing it and they have done. It. He's just got, this is a, a, a separation game for him too. The thing that Dak's got to prove to everybody in Dallas and Cowboy country is I can win the big game when it's on the line. And Sunday is going to be a great barometer of that. Okay. I just got a text from Troy. 
Ask Dave how close it was for me to come out of retirement. Hold on for a minute. I got to oh, read this. God. Wait a minute. How close was it? I, I, I didn't know this. Hold on for a minute. Yeah. How close? I know. I know, I know how close story. it was for me coming out of retirement and quarterbacking the Dolphins. Okay, Troy's upset because I didn't use his name. Okay, if, if, you, if you, okay, Troy, if you could walk Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Patrick Mahomes, or Troy Aikman through that door, then we're making a quarterback change. Okay, Troy's happy now. No, but but ask Troy how he liked that bootleg against the Eagles when Reggie White knocked his mouthpiece out. Ask Troy that one. <laughs> No, I told I, 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 I hope Troy heard her because oh he we did were, because we were taught Norv and I were sitting in my condo here in Chicago having some wine and we were laughing about that story because we were so excited how that game was going to start. But no, Troy, in all honesty, when Norv was running the offense for us in Miami, uh, we made a phone call to Troy. You know, we were you always trying to get better at every position, and we had a heck. I mean. I mean, Dan, it's, we, we led the league in rushing with Ricky Williams. We had a top five defense. We had a Pro Bowl kicker, Alinda Mari. And uh, no, we you just won a ton of games there, coach. We couldn't just get over that hump, you know. And uh, didn't you win and, like 54 and, games there or some shit like that? I don't know. It's 10 it was over. Good rec- it was a great record. Yeah, 10 over, a little over 10 a year, I think, something in four years. But anyway, put that aside. So Norm got a hold of Troy, and we were talking about Troy. I remember sitting in the staff room, and there was Norm, us, and our, and we were talking to, uh, I think, Lee Steinberg was his agent at yeah. the time, Lee. And we were having a conversation, and, you know, and Troy's back. I mean, it was all about just physically, could he, could, could he strap it on and go again, you know? But, no, we would have loved to have Troy. And I we, so – so Troy, if you know, if I had Dak Prescott and you walked through the door, I'd take Troy Aikman. Yeah, <laughs> Troy's happy now. Hey, wait a minute. So I told Troy that I was getting you and uh, Jimmy on less that these last two days, and so I wanted to make sure that Coach Johnson heard this. So I started the interview out yesterday, and I reminded him. I go, "Do you remember when you took me to dinner with uh, Crawford oh. Kerr? And he, you took me to dinner with Crawford Kerr and all this, and we went there. It was me, Kerr." Um, Troy and someone else, and we're sitting there. It was that steakhouse in Thousand Oaks? Jimmy hated the place because he thought it was like a country club because it was too, too. We walk out here, he goes, "Where's the heat?" He hated the place, and so you did too. All you coaches go, "There's no heat. Where's the humidity?" We're like, "Oh God," because it was like a country club. So he goes, "Hey, you see your boys, man? Oh, your Miami guys drafted Steve Walsh." I went like this. <laughs> I went like this. I go, "Hang on." I go, those guys love Steve Walsh. We, we, I love Steve Walsh. But do you think those guys give a shit that Steve Walsh is the quarterback of the football team? He's not going to devalue the kid because he's going to eventually trade him. You're the guy. He goes, that's his boy. He won a national title with him. I go, those guys don't give a shit about that stuff. I go, I know these guys. They're, they're, they don't care about that. He looked at me and goes, yeah, well, and it's funny. I told Troy that, you know, he's the toughest coach. I mean – uh, that Troy Aikman is the toughest player that Jimmy ever had to coach. And Troy goes, Troy goes like this. He goes, why? I said, well, you told him no for Oklahoma state. <laughs> you told him no. When the transfer from uh, OU to go to Miami and he didn't draft you in Tampa or in uh, Dallas. And so he goes, 
I never looked at it. I go, you told the guy no three times. And I go, that's why those guys ended up in him introducing Coach Johnson at the Hall of Fame is because I do coach. I think that was the hardest guy that Coach Johnson ever had to coach because to me, we all love him and we know what he is and who he is. But Troy said no three times to him, but then won you know the what? most with him. I, I don't get credit for uh, this, but I saw Troy. Troy was in ninth grade, and I was recruiting a guy named Crawford from Bristow, Oklahoma. And Bristow was playing Henrietta. And I drove – actually, I didn't. I think Tony Wise drove me. We went down to, to Henrietta, Oklahoma to watch this running back play basketball. Were you at Oklahoma State? I was at Oklahoma State, and Troy, and Troy was playing basketball for Henrietta. And I remember us sitting there and the men saying, wow, look at this guy. So, oh, yeah. Hey, do you have any of his eight beer? Did he send you any eight beer? Not you yet. Hold up, you got to hold up the eight beer. Troy, I, I don't, I don't, I don't I, he, He's too cheap. I haven't had any of the well, eight beer sent it, to me it'll, yet. It'll be some good publicity for him. You tell him I said that. Absolutely. I definitely will. Hey, 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 coach, but are you going to be at the Blue Bonnet um, reunion no. this week? I actually left the year before that and went to USC. So, uh, but I will not be. So, I, uh, in fact, I talked to Tony Wise an hour ago. He's looking forward to it. He'll be there. He's got his, uh, oh, yeah, he, he's looking forward to it. Here's It'll one for good. you for Jimmy. He said the most important coaches today in the National Football League are the O-line coaches. Well, <laughs> you, got to, you, you, you got, well. No, I said, yeah, yeah. wait a minute. I said, I go like this. I go, you, are you really saying that with Butch and uh, Dave? Well, no, here's the deal. You know why I'm saying it? And, and I agree with them because you can't, the only way offensive linemen get better is, think about it, is if they full speed work with the pads on and doing all their fundamentals. They don't have that anymore. In the, so now you get these kids, they don't do it in high school, they don't do it in college. So it's probably the most underdeveloped position. And so I think that's what Jimmy's referring to. How quick, can a, how quick can an offensive line coach get them together where, you know, you know, you guys, I mean, uh, we, we you know, get off the ball and get to, get to the ball. I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't a, a whole lot of, uh, you know, extra. Hey, oh, I remember. Hey, now I know why when you were messing <laughs> around with that 46, Jerome and I were in the South Carolina game. Why are we playing a nose? Yeah. Why are we playing a three technique? He looked at me. He goes, did we practice this at all? And I'm like, I, I, I don't remember ever us going. Because me and him were going in and out at nose. And I'm, we we're playing against South Carolina. We're like, you guys went like in the fourth, the third, fourth quarter. We were starting to play a nose. We're like, what? In that, the was a, that was a tough game for us. We were in a dog fight. We opened that stadium. Yeah, we were in a dog fight there. That was not easy at first. Absolutely. No, the only game that I'll never bring up to you ever again is the pit game. I got to go. <laughs> hey, hey, hey I, I got my pit jersey on. I yeah. thought you'd ask about it, you know? Ironhead Hayward. You mother, you, you mother, what the hell? You, I was like, we won 38 to 3. <laughs> but Benny Blades was forced to make every tackle on Ironhead because you and Jerome didn't want to hit him. George Myrick. Didn't want to hit him. Shannon didn't want to hit him. He was into the secondary every time they handed the ball off. Too damn cold, man. <laughs> hey, Coach, I love you so much for doing this for me. Thank you so much, Coach. Yeah, buddy. Thank you. You got it. That is my friend Dave Wants that. Please hit the like button. We appreciate everybody doing this. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
Football and Hooters, the perfect pair. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Absolutely. Appreciate everybody coming aboard. Thank you so much. I'm just looking at this Jim Harbaugh story and how weird it is. So this guy's got like spies like going into opposing teams like sidelines wearing different gear and shit. All right, here's the injury list. Wednesday's injury report, Jalen Carter, full practice. Milton Williams, limited. Cam Jurgens, limited. Jordan Davis, limited. Sue Opetta, limited. Stoll, limited. Roby, did not practice. The tight end, the backup tight end, DMP. So basically everyone's healthy. Right, Tone? <laughs> I look at that. Everyone's healthy. <laughs> Congratulations. Sounds like hey, it sounds like a normal Sunday to me for the NFL. Everybody's playing. Limited? 
No shit. You could do that on 32 ball teams. Okay. Let me let me throw this at you here with Jalen Hurts and with Dak Prescott on Sunday. You know, it's the easy, low-hanging fruit to say who needs the game more, but I'm going to say this is a game. You want to be called an elite quarterback? Win an elite game. You know, I decided that I'm going to start calling quarterbacks that are elite that win elite games. Because I think that's the only barometer you can do is winning elite games. What would you say the biggest signature win in Jalen Hurts' career where he performed spectacular and he was the reason that you won the ball game and you would say that he beat an elite team? What would be that? Dallas regular season last year? That's an elite win. That's an elite win. What else? I don't think any of his playoff wins are anything elite and that he was responsible for. Miami? You think Miami's an elite team? I just got through telling you, Tua's got to win an elite game. I think Miami, they got a game this week in Germany. That's an elite game. Vikings last year with Kirk Cousins is an elite game. I don't think that's an elite game. They've been pretty far and few between that Jalen Hurts has won an elite ball game. This is an elite game. Everyone's calling them elite until they ran into us. Well, how many playoff teams did you think you played last year? That were good. I mean, well, okay, so what? You really think that Daniel Jones is elite? Um, Who else? Kirk Cousins is elite? Like I just said, I think you got to win elite games. Cowboys, I think Jalen's win last year. Is it, it, that's, a, that's an elite game. I think Miami, um, I think Miami is a really good win. I'm not, I'm not dispelling that. Okay, I'm I'm really not. I'm not I'm not I'm not, I'm not throwing shade on that win. I look, and and the way that they beat that they won that game, they beat them up. Okay, so I completely agree. I do. Yeah, Tone, I think our super our chat's out right now. So I do. So Miami's not elite. Do you think the Miami defense is an elite defense? Um, do you think you think do you truly think Miami's one of the elite teams in the NFL right now? Do I think Miami can win a Super Bowl? They got to show me they can beat a good team. I've been telling you that they ran into Philly. Philly's an elite team. It's Philly's an elite team. Jalen's got to win an elite game. There's two different things. Your roster's special. You got a great roster. 
What is a signature win for Jalen Hurts? The Cowboy game a year ago? Okay. That's a good win. Dak doesn't have any. Dak doesn't really have any signature wins. Um, Beating Brady last year? I don't know. Okay. Beating a 45-year-old Brady? You look at that as an elite game? I guess so. It's a playoff game. It's more than anything Tony Romo's done. Beating a beating a beating Aaron Rodgers? The Packers were not an elite team last year. Give me an elite team that they beat in the Jalen Hurts era. That he was completely responsible for why they won that game. I think again. I mean, uh, here and I'm, I'm not. I'm. I'm asking. I'm not indicting. The NFC title game. He was did nothing in it. Get it was Redick in that defense that wreaked havoc. Just asking. I think from now on, for me. Like, this game on Sunday is an elite game for both quarterbacks. I, it is. Dak Prescott versus Jalen Hurts. Let me tell you what you do if you're Jalen and you beat the Cowboys. If you beat the Dallas Cowboys and you're Jalen Hurts, my God almighty, you're going to set that franchise back on its heels for the rest of the year. And I got to tell you, I think you could see a downward spiral. You'll never see that with the Eagles if they lose. But if that Cowboy team, they're more fragile. I think they're more fragile mentally. Packers were not an elite team last year. That is untrue. Okay? They really, this is this could easily be the biggest regular season game that Hurts has played in since he's been the starting quarterback in the regular season in Philadelphia. Why? NFC East implications. You lose. Cowboys come back out of that win and win the following week. They're in first place in the East. You're in the wild card. Within the next two weeks, you could be a wild card. Okay. You want to say Jags? Jags and Cowboys. Those are the signature wins for Hertz. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll agree. Two. In over 40 games. These are moments here that define you. They define Dak for his... Inability to take it. You know, you know what Dak can't do after the Eagle game? You know what he can't do? He can't expand on it. He's eight and three versus the Eagles, but then will drop a dummy game against the Cardinals. That's the problem I have with him. It's just not, and you know what? You want to hear something? I saw him at a press conference today, and he was asked a question about Jerry not talking as much as he has in the past. And did he, did they learn anything from San Francisco week? 
Dak was like laughing. He went, he kind of chuckled and said, Jerry said that. He goes, I don't believe that. He goes, I don't believe that. And he goes, no, he's, you know, maybe, maybe you know, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be talking like this. And Dak was like, I like Dak a lot. If I had to have the blueprints for people that would represent my franchise and I had Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, um, Dak Prescott, here would be my guys that I would have. It'd be an honor for them to be the face of my franchise. Hurts, Dak, Lamar, um, Mahomes, Burrow. Those kind of players. They're, they're, I, I think they personify what a franchise quarterback, how he acts. I do. I just, I think you've got to win games against teams like Dallas. Jalen Hurts, this is such a big, this is a bigger game than the Chiefs game. I don't care about the Chiefs game. Now, the Chiefs game will matter more if you beat Dallas because you're going to want to keep a lead. But you start putting Dallas in their place and like San Francisco. Get this. Think of what happens here on Sunday. If, say, the Eagles blow out the Cowboys the same way that the 49ers blew them out. You beat them by 20. Don't you understand what you've done? You've put Dallas in a position where there's no coincidence. You can't handle the fight. And you end their season. You end their season Sunday because they know there's no chance. If you're a wild card team and you got to go through San Francisco or Dallas or Philadelphia, there's not a chance in hell the Cowboys can withstand that. You mentally beat them up. This is a great – hey, and for Dak – Tell you what, if the Cowboys win, this gives the Cowboys juice. And boy, you don't want to – if you let the Cowboys off the hook on Sunday and they win that ball game and Dak goes to 9-3 and three in his career against the Eagles, you are never going to hear the end of that. You're never going to hear the end of it. Does that mean the Cowboys are favored to win the Super Bowl if they beat the Eagles? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because why? What makes you get this? If the Eagles lose, do the Eagles still have a chance to win the Super Bowl? Yes. If the Cowboys win, do I think the Cowboys can win the Super Bowl? No. You know why? Arizona. And why do I say Arizona? Well, it shows me you can be pushed around and you can have fart games which means I don't trust you. Okay? Hertz has been elite since he was drafted. Then why was he drafted in the second round? Elite quarterbacks are not drafted in the second round, dude. Nobody thought he was elite coming out of college. It's not true. Only you think that. No, my franchise quarterback, I draft him. Tom Brady wasn't elite when he was drafted. 
Was Tom Brady drafted and he was elite in the sixth round? Is that elite? <laughs> Senor goes like this. Rosen and Darnold were drafted in the first because they believed they were elite. The guy just said he's been elite since he was drafted. And no, he wasn't. They never thought he was. They thought those players were. They didn't think Brady was. They didn't think Russell Wilson was. I'm answering a question. You don't draft guys in the second round and think they're elite coming to your team when you just gave a guy $38 million a year and gave him the second richest contract in the league. You don't think he's elite. It's not a true statement. The Eagles didn't believe it. They just gave Hurts the money or Wentz the money. Not true. Not true. Fans lie. All of you now are calling Jalen Hurts elite, and you're the same ones that flip-flopped on him when he was initially drafted and when Wentz was given the money. So stop lying. Stop lying. He was the same guy who just posted that was the same guy that probably said the guy that second round pick blows. And now all of a sudden Hertz is the elite quarterback that the Eagles always thought he was such a bullshit comment, such a bullshit comment. You can't be any more dumber. Neil goes like this. We didn't understand the pick. No, hey, Neil, it's okay. Hey, Neil, get this. Do you think that you flip-flopped on Carson Wentz? Think of this for a second, Neil. Do you think you flip-flopped on Carson Wentz when you saw how well he played early in his career? And all of a sudden you saw the guy start to see ghost. And you said, this guy has regressed. And he had a short window of success. Some players have long windows of success. Some have short windows. Do you think he flip-flopped? I don't. I think the player's production spoke the truth. You're not a fortune teller, Neil. But some of you in here think that these sports talk guys who talk are fortune tellers. I'm not a fortune teller. I watch what a player does. And every week, it's an imperfect league. Players are imperfect. Some people have bigger windows. Some people have shorter windows. That that comment doesn't bug me because anyone who says that stuff to me doesn't understand the football. And you don't understand player performance or coaching. You're, it, it, this is a you factor. Okay? This is you factor. Snake oil, Mateo. Really? Mateo doesn't like to be called out for saying something about Wentz because he liked him early and didn't like to pick Wentz or a Hertz. And now all of a sudden that's flipped and that's snake oil. It's reality. It's reality. So are you supposed to hang on to Carson Wentz when you're watching him fall around the team fall apart? the general manager sabotaging games and sabotaging the head coach. Are you supposed to hang around on that and go, Hey, Carson's great. The player went from here 
He was a shooting star. That was all on Wentz. Not my take. I never was... You know the guy who's absolutely stunned me the most has been Jared Goff. I, I mean, I've never seen a guy go, hey, right, Tone? How about this? I've never seen a guy go like this. I mean, it's like a seesaw. I've never seen a player seesaw more in my life than Jared Goff. And now he's kind of stabilized because he's got a coach. Do you know what? Dan Campbell may not be the same kind of savant as a play caller that um, Sean McVay is, but he's got more belief in Jared Goff. I mean, what round did they take that hooker in? The kid from Tennessee, Hendon Hooker. What round did they get him in? Because that's going to be their insurance policy down the line because they see what they're doing with these dual threat guys. I actually like Hendon Hooker. They grab him in the fourth round or third round or something like that. When did they get him? I forget what round. Was it, Senor, was the third rounder they got him in? I actually like this kid. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't he get hurt? Like his senior year or his last year at Tennessee, and that's why he was in the third round. And so kind of like he's going through like rehab and like I, I I thought I saw something in the press where he could be available somewhere later on in the year in case there's a catastrophe. He was the third round, 68th overall. That's pretty high for a guy with a knee injury. Thanks, Tone. That's that's pretty high. Okay. 68th overall. I like him. But guess what he did, Jared Goff? They had two first-round picks. And you know what? The Lions didn't take quarterback in the first round because Jared Goff's play. That's pretty remarkable. Chris goes like this. Hurts will throw for 4K this year. He's on pace for 5K. And he'll have 20 picks. Or 17 picks he's on pace for. 12, whatever it is, somewhere in there, 12. He's got 11 turnovers in eight games. You're going to have to learn to live with the turnovers too. Then welcome to the Josh Allen conversation. Go ahead, 15 picks. He throws the ball 650 times. Are you going to be able to be okay with all the turnovers that Hurts is going to have? He's not going to have six. He's halfway through the season already, and he's got more than he did a year ago. He's trending for 12 12 INTs and 22 turnovers. Are you okay with that? Ask yourself this. You said Hertz would never throw for 4K. I sure did because 435 attempts, he's never going to do it. At 600 attempts? Absolutely. But you've got to learn to live with 17 INTs and 22 turnovers. Are you okay with that? He had no chance to throw for 4,000 yards, throwing the ball 430 times. Giants, Ted, and Darren Waller to miss multiple weeks with a hamstring injury. Hey, you can't get any more worse news coming out of New York. Uh, Everything that went kind of right last year, okay? Everything that went kind of right last year, Okay. Okay. What quarterback throws for 
That's the point, senor. Look at this guy here. That's the point I made. What quarterback throws for 4,000 yards with 400 attempts? Correct. Thank you. Way to go. Of course. Yes. He was never going to with 400 attempts. 600 attempts? Absolutely. This guy's dumb as a brick. This guy's as dumb as a brick. And I agree with you, though. Giants are a shit show. Let's take a timeout. I want to reset. Cowboy game this weekend. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. and Hooters, the perfect pair. you own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428-267-261-3428 my name is dr bruce grossinger and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program assures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit.
I'll take two cases. I'll tell everyone in here. By the way, yeah, hang on. I got I, I to go. I'm back. All right. Thanks a lot, Troy. Bye. So I'm getting, have you guys seen his new beer, Eight? So I didn't realize that Troy was watching the show today. By the way, Senor, we're good, dude. You know I, which I like you. So we're going to get Troy Aikman's eight beer. Can I can I display that? Will, will that be okay? <clears throat> Tone. Uh, oh, damn, I, 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 sh- I should have checked out. Tone, answer on the, on the, on the, um, yeah, because it's down. Is that okay, Tone? Love you too, senor. I do. Um, is that okay for me to display the Troy Aikman eight beer? Is that okay? It's not a cowboy helmet. I'm getting two two cases of it. Troy asked me. I didn't realize Troy watches it. Hey, I like beer, so yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, okay. So the beer's good. The helmet's out. Okay, I got it now. The beer's good. The helmet's out. Okay. I will. So they're sending me. Is there a star on it? No. 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 It's just got eight. Troy's number. There's no. Is there a star on it? What if there was a star on the beer? <laughs> So wait a minute. So wait a minute. If there was a star on the beer can, no, that's out. Okay. Teddy Bruski. Is there a star on it? Jacob Media Sports. Who in their right mind would care if there's a star on it? Eight, okay, star, no. <laughs> Is it light beer? Hey, Eagles rock. Does Big Sills look like anything I do in life in eating or drinking? Anything to do with light or half a sandwich or like Miller Light? <laughs> I don't believe I've ever drinking a light beer in my life. And if I did, it was by accident. Light beer to me is like drinking near beer. You know that shit that people, you know, all them groupie guys or those yuppie guys, I should say, all them yuppie guys drink, you know, the guys with like a sweater vest and they wear dickies and shit like that. You know, they got, you know, they wear turtlenecks, all them guys that wear that, they drink that yuppie beard with no alcohol in it. Prince goes, Sills looks heavy. That's why they call me heavy D bro. Okay, I don't drink Guinness. I don't drink anything. Well, that's not true. I drink Mexican beer. I drink Coronas. I don't drink any. I haven't had a beer in a bit, though, in a long time. Beatniks. Yeah. Do I look like something like, like I eat arugula? <laughs> hey, do I look like I eat arugula? <laughs> Somebody asked me the other day what arugula was. I'm like, I have no idea what arugula is. It's like a salad. A salad. Okay, that's even better. Do I look like a salad guy? <laughs> and I do like a salad. Arugula. <laughs> uh, Jalen Hurts went tied or trailing 2023 NFL season. 109. 
Completions, 150 attempts, 72-7 completion, 1202, 10 touchdowns, no INTs, 118.3. When trailing. That's damn good, man. That's exceptional. Dare I say, that's elite. It's good. How do you beat the Cowboys? Tony and I kind of talked about this. Here, let's do this. What's the weakness of the Cowboys? What would be three weaknesses that you would point out of Dallas? What's 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 their top three weaknesses? They were saving Swift for this week. I would believe that more, senor, more than having Penny in a garage for week 15 and 16. I would believe that more. Cowboys are 16th in run defense. And you got that kid, Mozzie Smith? Where is he? Maniac, I think their corners, I think their corners are not bad. I don't think their back end, like their safeties. I disagree with people who say the Cowboys. The Cowboys have a better secondary than the Eagles do. Run defense, inability to play from behind, and weak interior defensive line. That's that's pretty much it right there, what, what Tone just said. Okay? That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Um, I, th- their secondary is better than here. O-line. I'm going to go Philly, but they haven't acted like it the last three weeks, but I do think you're better. Philly. Quarterback. Going Philly. Running back. I'm going to go Philly. Wide receiver group with the tight end and Swift. Philly. D tackles. Philly. LBs. Push. Um, Dallas. Secondary. Dallas. Coaching, Dallas. So, the only advantages that Dallas has in this game is at the linebacker position, secondary, and coaching. You see, at the end of the day, you know that better coaches than Dan Quinn and and Mike McCarthy. Whatever you think of Mike McCarthy, he's won a Super Bowl. And if you're going to give credit to Nick for going to one, you got to give credit for a guy winning one, don't you? I mean, you want to give Nick Sirianni credit for getting to the bar exam, like Tone says, and you don't want to give credit for a guy for 
passing the bar exam. He's a Super Bowl winning coach. That's the story of Mike McCarthy. Okay? That's who Mike is. He is a Super Bowl winning coach. Hey, Maniac goes, I don't care much for Jenny McCarthy either. Well, I don't think anything of Nick Sirianni. I think he's a cheerleader. He's not a play caller or a good decision maker. He's an apologist. Once again, you look at a guy's record and you're giving him credit for almost getting it done and not validating anything. At least McCarthy got a Super Bowl. You got to give credit for people winning it. As much as it aches you to say, you don't think Sean decides a better coordinator than Dan Quinn, do you? You, you? you don't believe that, do you? I think you got way better personnel all up and down the line up here. Way better personnel. And see, to me, I'm not going to – how I'm going to – I'm going to dictate this game. I'm going to dictate the pacing. I'm going to dictate and enforce my will on you. Okay? Dallas is 18th in run defense in sacks, but pass defense is fourth, surrendering only 178 against the air. The secondary is 10 times better than Phillies. Plus the scheme's better. That's a fact. I mean, Quinn was part of the – Winning a Super Bowl in Seattle when they built the uh, the defense in Seattle, Legion of Boom, and he took a football team in Atlanta to Super Bowl. You'd be under the wrong impression if you think Dan Quinn's not a good coach because he is a good coach. He's a heck of a coordinator. He turned that whole thing around with Mike Nolan and that prehistoric defense that Dallas was running. Dude, that, that Browns team three years ago uh, ran for like 275 yards on the Cowboys and changed that completely around, okay? So, again, um, Senor goes, how many Super Bowls does Jose, uh, uh, Josh McDaniels have? I think probably five or six as a coordinator. Probably five or six as a coordinator. Mike McCarthy was the play-calling head coach in Green Bay when they won the Super Bowl. He called the plays in that Super Bowl. No one else. He was the play-calling head coach. You're under the wrong mistake here. Again, always about the Jimmys and the Joes. Of course it's Aaron Rodgers. That's why the insignificance sometimes of head coaches especially when he's nothing really special. But when you get a special guy like a McVay or someone, or some people think Kyle Shanahan, who could take three different quarterbacks and get to an NFC title game, Nick Sirianni doesn't really have a job except answering media questions at nauseum. He doesn't really have a gig. He's not really a head coach. 
Like, Bill controls the defense in New England. McDaniels might be the top five worst head coaches in NFL history. I agree. I think that whole Bella. Hey, how about this one too, Maniac? I would even make this point to you about the Belichick tree of life when it comes to potential NFL head coaches. Don't ever hire a coach off the Belichick coaching tree because you'll be sadly disappointed. I mean, Brian Flores is, I hope he gets another opportunity, but the rest of those guys are garbage. Okay. I mean, there's not a guy worth his weight when it comes to being a, a head coach in the National Football League. I wouldn't hire anybody off that staff. You got the judges of the world. You got the Charlie Weisses of the world. These guys were bums, man. I would like to add that Dallas's pass defense is fourth, but they haven't really played against a group like Brown, Smith, and Goddard so far this year. You know, I'll tell you something too, right? Hey, Warrior, I'll tell you, the kid that's taken over for Diggs has really played well. What's his name, Drudd or something like that? What's his, He's really played well. I mean, when they get Diggs back next year, man, they're, they're going to have a strong-ass secondary. They got some – that kid's played well. And Stephon Gilmore's done a nice job this year. For, he has been a really good addition. As I told you, Slay's out of gas. Stephon Gilmore's not. And he'll never be the player that Gilmore was or is. It's not close. It's really not close. Remember at the beginning of the year, you guys were trying to tell me that Darius Slay is better than Stephon Gilmore? <laughs> uh, where, I, when? <laughs> when? This guy four years ago was the defensive player of the year. Okay. A corner was the defensive player of the year. Wait a minute. Carlos says, says you? Carlos thinks that Darius Slay is a better player than Stefan Gilmore. He hasn't had the career even. Hey, hey, Carlos, do you actually think that Clay uh, that uh, Darius Slay's had a better career than Stefan Gilmore? Do you think that? Do you think he's had a better career? Gilmore's trash. Have you watched him play this year? I actually have. He looks pretty good. That's why they're fourth in pass defense. It's been an upgrade after losing digs. Yeah, I have. That's a lie. Your pass defense is trash. Let's get it right, Chris. Your pass defense is trash. The Cowboys are fourth. Okay? They're fourth. Having lost the Pro Bowl corner. You're trash. Let's get it right. Here, let me let me let me let me just just for me to be um factual here because you know some of you out there for whatever reason let's see Stefan Gilmore according to Wikipedia here we go right here hold on okay he's 33 too so he's past his prime here okay 
NFL Defensive Player of the Year, led the NFL in interceptions, five-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion. Darius Slay. According to Wikipedia, he's 32. He's a year younger. That's pretty good, too, man. Hey, NFL and interceptions, five time Pro Bowler. But the difference is one guy was the player of the year in the NFL, but a little closer than I thought. That's a little closer than I thought, actually. Kudos. A little closer. But when you're the top defensive player in the National Football League, okay, stat comparison, Michael Parsons, 43 pressures, six sacks. Josh Sweat, 40 pressures, five and a half sacks. Does Sweat get the respect he deserves? Of course not, because he plays in Philly. Okay, and get this. I think he's been good, Josh Sweat, the last two weeks. Not Josh Sweat, but, you know, but he's still exceptional at setting the edges. Okay? Chris, whatever, dude. He's the player of the year. Player of the year. Get that through your head. Okay? Um... No, Josh Sweat is Josh Sweat. If he played in Dallas or New York, they'd be talking about him as being one of the top defensive ends in the, in the league. Because he plays in Philly, he's not. That's why Hertz is not considered one of those other quarterbacks, according to Pete Prisco and them other guys. I, you know what's crazy? Hey, hey, uh, Tone. You know what's crazy? I actually give more credit and more respect to Hertz than the national people do. And you don't see that. I'm, it's not a cheerleader like Nick. You guys don't see that. Okay. What do you think about Josh Dobbs getting a chance in Minnesota? I love it. I, I like him, actually. I do. I think he's – I thought he did a great job in Tennessee last year. I think he get, I hope he gets an opportunity to go up there and play. I like him. He's a good-looking football player. You know who he reminds me of a little bit like? He reminds me of the backup quarterback that you got in Baltimore. Okay? He reminds me of Snoop in Baltimore. I like him, man. I, I would love to have him on my team. I got great respect for that kid, man. I do. Chris goes, he was a great player, but not now. Same with Slay. Slay's not a great player anymore. I've been saying that since week eight of last year. He's not a great player anymore. Darius Slay is not playing better ball than Stephon Gilmore right now. Why are you fighting that? Why are you not seeing that? There's a number of reasons why, too. Your, your dumbass scheme, the lack of pressure, the way you play 10 yards off the ball, is all putting these gigantic numbers in pass pass offense on you. Again, you know what's crazy? You, you'll look at this number, like, like Tone says, when it comes to trends. 
I think the Eagles are like what third and third and sacks, and you're like Sills. They're pressuring the quarterback. Not at last year's rate. They're not. You know what last year's team did to the secondary? The 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 amount of quarterback hits, the amount of pressure that you put on the quarterback a year ago was double. That's why you're seeing more passing yards against you. Niners secondary has been healthy and 19th against the pass and they're world beaters, but we are 26 and have two slot cornerbacks out and two safeties out and held number one offense in the league to 10. So you think on a week-to-week basis, Rage or Warrior, you think on a week-to-week basis your secondary has done a really good job in pass defense and you're isolating on one ball game when Sam Howe just went for 400 yards on you. And you say this to me, well, we got injuries back there. Welcome to the NFL. I told you this was a week-to-week proposition. This is where guys want to sit there and go, one week you say this, one week you say that, because injuries dictate that. You can't use injuries as an excuse for you and not for San Francisco not having Trent Williams or Debo Samuel. Do you see what people do in here? People in here look at that and apply it to them and not you. We have we're we're 26 in pass defense. We're doing this, and you know, we had injuries everywhere. So do the Niners. I don't think it's that difficult to hey, Tyree Kill is Djax. I think I think Tyree Kill is easier to contain than AJ Brown. I would not want I'd I'd rather play against Tyree Kill. You ever notice why his touchdown numbers are down? And he doesn't have a lot of TDs. He don't get in the end zone a lot. That guy doesn't get in the end zone a lot. He got a ton of yards. But does he score? Is, is he a force after the yak when he catches it? You think, how about this? Who's a better football player, Tyreek Hill or A.J. Brown after the catch? Who would you rather have? I don't think that's an even close conversation. I, I do I, right. Do you? You guys don't either. I would. You don't think that that's a close conversation? You can take Tyreek all you want. That guy drags bodies, man. Like I told you, like he's dragging a lake for a dead body. Okay, he's got eight TDs this year. Oh, okay, that's a good year because last year he didn't have a lot. It's not using excuses, injuries as an excuse. I'm saying we are getting healthier, so we you are trending up in the secondary. But Sam Howell just ate you up, Warrior, for 400 yards. Senor, he'll, 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 looks for, he'll looks for a spot on the ground. He wants to get down. He doesn't want to drag anybody. AJ, man. Hey, you know what? You want to know why you guys – a hey, Tone, check this guy's out. This is where I'm going to come – he's got it. Here's where you guys totally have no respect. If A.J. Brown was doing what he's doing in Dallas right now, or New York, or L.A., do you think he'd be one of the top three candidates for the MVP? 
I don't see anybody bringing his name up for the MVP award. Don't how come his why isn't this guy's on pace to break Megatron's record? If he's in Dallas, they would be talking about him as the greatest cowboy wideout. Drew Pearson, Dez, Irvin, CD, all of them. Look at the hype they give CD Lamb, and I think he's not better than Terry Mc. McLaurin, the guy in Washington. I don't think he's better than Terry McLaurin. That's going to be a big topic tomorrow, Tone. How in the world is A.J. Brown not in the MVP conversation? And you're talking about Mahomes, who's not having his best year. And A.J. Brown's having a historic – shit, I'll tell you what, Cooper Cup got some consideration because he was in L.A., probably also because he's white. Did I say that? I'm sorry. For some of you, if you want to erase it, go ahead. I mean, A.J.'s getting – I looked on the list when it came to the odds on people winning the MVP award. And I don't see his name anywhere. Wide receiver will never win an MVP. It's a quarterback uh, award. Be real. Um, Last non-quarterback to win it, I think, was Adrian Peterson. So you think if a guy goes for 2,200 yards receiving and he puts up 17 touchdowns, you don't think he'd get strong consideration. How about this? Do you think a wide receiver will ever finish in the top three? I mean, I don't even think anybody in Philly's even talking about it. Hey, they're not, you know what? It's almost like they don't even want to admit that he's the best or having the best season of the, you know, receivers in the league. Because that is a talked-about position. It's a diva position. I think it's a crime. You know, How about this? You're right about the MVP. Surely he gets the Offensive Player of the Year award. Right? Who won the Offensive Player of the Year award last year? Was it Mahomes? Did he win that? Probably, because he had 50-something, almost 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. He probably won it. But I think there was a receiver in that in that thing that's won that thing before. Like, who, who won the offensive player? It probably was Mahomes. Oh, Justin Jefferson won it. Oh. So Justin Jefferson won the NFL Offensive Player of the Year award? How come AJ's name's not being brought up for that? Philly. Talk about disrespect. They're talking, you, you know who the national media is talking about as the best wideout heading into this game? The dude's the most overhyped. <laughs> you got the most scrutinized quarterback in Dallas. You got the most overhyped two players. And the other team has guys who live up to their, 
Hey, can I tell you what what it what it, it's like to me? It's like the Eagles live up to their billing of who they are. And the Cowboys never live up to their billing. Like I've never seen Michael Parsons show up in an Eagle game. Three and a half sacks. Now I've seen Dak show up, but I've never seen CD Lamb show up. Right? I mean, Michael Parsons, you got Lane Johnson on you. You get three and a half sacks. A Philly athlete would have to end world hunger while dismantling a nuclear warhead to earn consideration for the NFL award. <laughs> that is classic and unfortunately and so uncool true. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. That, that is so true. I got to take a timeout. Let me take a timeout here. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. and Hooters, the perfect pair. You own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. G-L-E-S Eagles
world hunger for an eagle to win the offensive player of the year award. He's not, I looked, I just looked it up on the internet. He's not even being considered for it. I mean, the, the, you know, you know how they have the MVP tracker and offensive player of the year tracker. They got Tucker Viola. They've got Tyree kill and they got a couple other guys. They got CD on there. They don't, they, they have AJ down the list. But not, I mean, he's a runaway. It, you know, you know what they've done? They're not looking at impact. They're looking at just total numbers on us. And I get it. I understand because that's the position. And that's what leads to the uh, opinion. Random sports update. San Diego Padres took out a loan for about $500 million in September to address short-term cash flow issues and meet obligations such as Player payroll per Evan Durlich. Wow. Because you know what they did? When that when that um, sports network reneged on paying them and they were putting all those salaries out there, they went out there and they, they mortgaged the future by signing Tatis. I covered the Padres. I was the pre and post game show host. And the reason I'm not in San Diego on that station any longer is because I told them, I said, that team right now, they thank God that the Chargers aren't in town. Because believe me, nobody ever believed in the Padre team. Because you know why? The only thing they're known for is hamburgers. So they get Soto on a $300 million deal. They get Tatis on a $300 million deal. And they sign, um, what's his name? The third baseman on a $300 million deal. They got $900 million tied up in three dudes. And then the rest of them are like, and they're like $150 million deals. That's awesome stuff, Tone. Hey, I can't wait to kill that team. Because that team had a lot to do with me not being there on the air any longer. And they, I was telling them everything. This will blow up in their face. And that general manager, A.J. Preller, is horrific. He is a bullshit artist. What has he won with all the millions and millions and millions of dollars that they have wasted? <laughs> Incredible. You know what's crazy, though? And my aunt and my wife will tell you this. Being right is being wrong. The end, it costs you a job. Congratulations, Sills. You're unemployed. <laughs> way to go. Way, way to be right. It's true. That's why you can't do radio anymore. Because you can't tell the truth. Took a loan out to pay bills. <laughs> Completely unbecoming. Hey, Sills, can you explain to me how Hertz is only good because he has AJ, but Tua is an MVP in Hill? I think Jalen Hurts is in the MVP conversation warrior. I do. I, I, I think Hurts is third right now. I think he's in the top three. I, I don't think Jalen is not in the conversation for MVP. I would not say that. I would not subscribe to that. Thank you guys so much. Please hit the like button. Um, I can't thank you enough. Xander, Big Joe, thank you. Our friends at Hooters, we thank you guys so much for all your patience and everything you guys do. Thank you. And Tone, keep killing it, man.
I love our segment. I look forward to it each and every single day. And it is getting better and better and better and better as your talents are starting to come out more and more. We thank you so much for being part of it and getting us around the horn for four hours. We appreciate it. Two to six tomorrow. And we shall see you on the flip side. Hooters, the perfect pair.